I'm Aaron Armstrong. I'm Pete Moran. I'm Ryan Boland. And we love to watch. We have to watch has discovered the solution to inner city crime. Give a bunch of Irish people guns. We've never tried that before. If I didn't care more than words can say. If I didn't care, would I feel this way? If this isn't love, then why do a, a I? A bunch is pushing it. <laughs> I don't think it's even a bushel. A bu- well, there's 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 it's, two Irishmen. Three. There's there's two Irishmen. Um. A, a Scotsman pretending to be Irish, mm-hmm, yeah. and then a Irishman in disguise in Willem Dafoe. <laughs> uh, we're, look, look, we just got to get into it. Where we love to watch, which is going to be a concept and a name that is going to not hold up throughout the night, but that's normally the name of this podcast. We pick a theme, we do movies over the course of the month around that theme, and if we remember, we compare and contrast. We're in our last week of our summer double month. Where we are covering dorm room movie posters, which is also kind of tied into a theme we've been talking about, about bro movies, uh, the bro film canon, internet movie database, top 250s, those types of movies that as you are discovering yourself as a cinephile, a lot of people gravitate towards, but more specifically, white, straight cis men who also buy the posters and kind of make these movies their lives. Now... I would say we're coming into eight movies. What's actually been kind of funny is I think Peter, when we initially designed this month, and we didn't have the final roster of movies, but we knew we wanted to do something where we look back on movies like Fight Club and Donnie Darko and stuff like that. We started with Donnie Darko, which was a not-so-positive experience for us. (laughs) Disappointingly so. And then we basically had six movies in a row where we were like, this is great. Like, I like Fight Club. I like Scarface. I like Clockwork Orange. Like, these, it was mostly a good discussion of movies that both why they still kind of fit as part of that canon and how they have some, you know, some, some toxic influence with a certain subset of uh, fans. But the movies as a whole are not guilty. Um, and we decided to end with one that... We knew we were going to find so, so guilty. And it is a movie that I honestly believe that if someone tells you they like this movie, it's a huge red flag. (laughs) It is an immediate red flag as to who they are as a person. And we're doing Boondock Saints. Uh, Boondock Saints... Which is the little movie that could, unfortunately, <laughs> it's like little that little movie blue- that could eventually limp its way into a home video release against against everybody's, <laughs> yeah. you know, best interests. <laughs> yeah, um, and uh, yeah, it's like I don't know if you guys have read the little engine that could recently, but there's a dickhead train that is that is an asshole. It's like if that's the engine that ultimately got over the hill and delivered the zoo animals or whatever. The little engine but, uh, that does a long winded. 
purely racist joke that for some reason gets more screen time than anything else and doesn't fade to black anywhere and doesn't really yeah yeah it's and like a that little engine that that release that is towing all the other engines behind it and then releases them because they're dead weight to get mm-hmm. up to the top of the hill yeah and then finds out that that's actually just the crust of a hill for another yeah. hill for more hill and you're just <laughs> starting the on the hill turns around <laughs> and crushes all the cars behind yeah it's uh it's Bunak Saints I'm gonna say it up front um, this Boondock Saints is not the worst movie of all time. There is thousands of worse movies than Boondock Saints that you've never even heard of. If you ever scroll sales on Vudu the- or your digital movie provider of choice, you get to movies you never heard of with cast you've never heard of and actors. And there's hundreds of those each year that are worse than this movie. I think, though, that this could make a candidate for the movie I hate the most in the entire world. And that that is because it is mind-numbingly bad on every level. We're going to talk about all that, from the script to the actor. The director is a and writer, Troy Duffy, who we're going to talk about a lot, because we're going to talk about the documentary Overnight, which is quite good, because in like a uh, watching the worst person you know have a well-deserved downfall. <laughs> uh, and But it it is like, it is a movie that perplexingly i honestly still think to this day somewhat perplexingly became a movie that people call their favorite movie i had a friend who got the the fucking aquinas veritas tattoos on his arms like this mo- yeah i know not my friend because he was a fan of overnight or boondock saints <laughs> <laughs> i really like this fictional character in this mockumentary overnight yeah because i didn't oh realize God, Tro- what a, Troy what Duffy a stupid o- thing it would be if i if i did this this guy's an idiot i didn't realize oh, until yeah. even after the documentary that troy duffy has him on his forearms and you're just like dude you can't you couldn't be more living like your your yeah. band name was renamed to Boondock Saints. You've got the tattoos on your forearms. You got like all the things where you're just like, oh, you're really just. I mean, I guess he, it's he is the absolute worst. We're going to talk a little bit about where he is today. Why there's not going to be a Boondock Saints three. Uh, he is a absolutely contemptible human being. One of the best. Uh, uh, one of the best things I saw in Letterbox, which was the thing about watching Overnight, is that Harvey Weinstein. Uh, ruined unjustly thousands of people's careers. And if someone ruins that many careers, every once in a while, he accidentally ruins someone that deserved it. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> and, like, that, that that's true. Like, obviously, Harvey Weinstein, for all the reasons, is a worse person with more influence. But, like, it is the weird movie where you're like, yeah, he's probably right to see some red flags and, and cut this guy loose because he's a nightmare. And we're going to talk about all that. Uh, this, If you if if you like Boondock Saints, I'm very surprised you're listening to this podcast in general. Uh, or I hope you haven't seen it since you were like 13. That's what I want to talk about because I do think – I was you, expecting to have a sort of like – this isn't very good, but you know, two and a half feel- star, mostly fueled yeah. by nostalgia. Two star, yeah, like I, that I like, kind of. I like the entire cast pretty much, pretty yeah. much, and I I like that there's a. You're scene a huge of Billy Del Rocco Con- fan. <laughs> there, I like that there's a scene of Billy Connolly standing in the middle of a suburban street, just shooting yeah. guns akimbo, throwing them away, shooting more guns. Like yeah. I love Poor, Billy poorly shooting them. though. Yeah, and I love Billy Connolly as a comedian, and I love the idea that they actually sell him as a badass in this. Like, 
I was expecting the movie to kind of match that level of joy in one shot. Instead, the movie matches the level of hatred that I have when um, a guy that they like to hang out with just tells racist jokes and the people around him punch him up to make it more racist. Yeah. You're yeah, not being racist like, enough. You got, you got to really, and even he's kind of resisting. He's like, oh, I mean, I'm, I'm eighty percent racist. Now, well, I guess I'll be a hundred percent racist <laughs> around you guys. And you're like, I don't like anybody in this scene, but okay. Yeah, it's, uh, it's a contemptible human being that made. It. It's a contemptible movie too. Like, there's like a, like a sexual assault joke. Oh yeah. Like, the, the person who made this is the worst. It is the worst edgy person who liked Bill Maher, who said the N-word. Like, he – I mean, just just, just a terrible person. But uh, we're going to get into all that. Let's start with our history of this movie. So this movie – technically, we're going to come into the how this movie got made in a second. This movie technically comes out in 1999. In 2001 – I'm a freshman in college, and I have a few friends that have recommended a bunch of movies that no one's ever seen to me uh, that I worked at the video store with. And they're like, you got to get your hands on Boondock Saints. It's one of the best movies ever. It'll blow your mind. It's this underground movie that was screwed by the studios. It got released. It's amazing. Um, and they had they had pointed me towards a few movies that don't necessarily hold up as well for me anymore. But uh, movies that I really liked, like uh, have you guys ever heard of a movie called Thursday with Thomas Jane and Aaron Eckhart, which is like this. It's like this. This is it's kind of like what it should have developed the cult that this movie because it's a very competent. uh, It has like the same twist ending that's at the end of Lock, Stock and Two Smoking Barrels. But it came out two years before that. It has like all these like great actors before they were bigger stars and stuff like that. Or like the last time I committed suicide with like. Keanu Reeves and like these kind of like really you know I, they were they were like obsessed with what was playing on like HBO and a bunch of other stuff and they had a lot of good recommendations so couldn't find this movie anywhere I'm a freshman in college Amazon I don't even know if I knew that they were shipping DVDs or if they had it so I like I go online and I find some some video store in Canada that sends me the DVD I sent you guys the DVD cover doesn't exist anymore took me forever to find it because it eventually got a it was like before it had an american dvd release that was exclusively through blockbuster i watch it i think i'm I'm 18 years old i think it's one of the worst movies i've ever seen in my life i like i did not like it out of the gate i have seen pulp fiction i've seen uh the roger avery killing zoe type movie. like i've seen the pulp fiction ripoffs like thursday good bad and everything else and i loved sean patrick flannery from the young indiana jones chronicles which i was obsessed with when they for the one season they aired when it came out so they've got like they've got you in their good graces i mean you like the people in it and even honestly i do that bootleg cover is a lot of willem dafoe in the front and that's about as as good as they could do for the movie (laughs) Yeah, um, and um, yeah, I also really like. There's another like uh, indie like movie that probably doesn't hold up, starring Sean Patrick Flannery. But like my friends also recommended this called Suicide Kings. Sean Patrick Flannery's in it. Um, the guy from Roseanne and The Big Bang Theory, Dennis Leary's in it. Christopher Walken's in it. It's like I think I like saw this, that like, when I was in junior high as well. I don't remember. Much yeah, of that. like there was a lot of those kind of like Pulp Fictiony type like action movies, but this one like I was like. The, the characters have no motivation. Like, I, I've seen, and we're going to, I want to talk about this later. 
I've seen vigilante movies at this point in my life, right? Like, Troy Duffy didn't ex- invent the concept of what if we just kill criminals <laughs> because that would be a cool thing to do. Because what else but do the, I need to explain about it? I'm going to kill criminals. Yeah. But that's the thing is there was clearly no motivation. They were doing things that were like a child's version of what if we did this and then oh, it'd be like nothing was connected. I wasn't as movie literate as I would later become, but I knew enough to know like this is trash and this isn't very good. And the only part of the movie I remember saying that was somewhat interesting was like, oh, the ending credits thing where they're interviewing people like. And taking a, like, taking a little bit of a, is this a good thing or a bad thing? Like, if more of the movie had been about, like, a public's reaction to vigilante justice or something like that, I'm like, that could have been something interesting as it was. It was, uh, yeah, your worst friend doing weirdo moves with his, like, trench coat and thinking, like, I'm a badass ninja for, like, I don't know. I hated it. I forget about it. No one's ever heard about of it. And then about two years later, it gets that blockbuster release and slowly but surely, people are saying things like, have you seen The Boondock Saints? It's this awesome action movie. And so my, like, kind of eyebrow-raising experience with um, my friends liking it and recommending it, they usually had really good taste. And slowly becoming more and more and more and more popular to the point that people were putting posters on there, getting tattoos, quoting it constantly, throwing in boondock saints whenever they wanted to have a party. It like, it grew my hatred of this movie in a way that is not necessarily the movie's fault, but it was like, where, like it was, you sometimes feel like a lone sane man. Like why does everyone like, this piece of shit. And so I saw Overnight when it came out. I bought the DVD because I had heard, I'd read some reviews. You're I like, I am interested the- in this in this movie. <laughs> I was. I was very <laughs> interested in it. Because um, I read on the AV Club of like, uh, Nathan Rabin uh, from the AV Club is one of the only contemporary reviews that like, th- it was reviewed in 2000. Yeah. That I can find online. He's like, this is a huge piece of shit. And he and they so they promoted the the release of Overnight and they're like, hey, remember that asshole movie that's starting to starting to become popular? This guy is a huge piece of shit. You should watch this movie. And so like I bought it and I watched it probably like five times, like taking an a, a amount of satisfaction that I wasn't proud in, in that, hey, this movie that everyone likes, at least this little piece of shit who made this garbage movie made no money from it. Oh. Like, it was it was, it was, was very satisfying. It must have been very vindicating, too, where you're just like, but watch yeah. that. Like, this guy is a piece of shit through and through to, like, yeah. his closest group of friends. And anybody yeah. who's doing business. I mean, the fact that he immediately turned around and was like, these for better or worse, Hollywood established royalty, you know, Harvey Weinstein. I mean, terrible person, but like, oh, he he doesn't want to deal with this. He's making the biggest mistake of his life. It's because he's fucking everyone. It's because he's fucking everyone's out to get him. It's because he's scared. I've got big talent when he was like in the in the bar. Right. And it's still very early on the movie. And he's like, you know, there's probably more talent in in this room. These five guys than any of all the Hollywood combined. It just cuts to a bunch of drunk dudes. And you're like, are you are you sure about that? Are you are you sure? Yeah, it is. It is the worst of everyone. And so that movie is really vindicating. I was I mean, I never watched Boondock Saints 2. I was like mildly like um, 
annoyed that he got to make it just because like it felt like some sort of dream it's it's still satisfying to find out like he has quotes after boondock saints 2 where he's like i got a script for saints 3 but i gotta work on some of my other films first before we dive right into that because now things are taken out but yeah just a narcissistic self-obsessed with no so much ego so much ego it is like it is someone that you're rooting for in a way that makes me feel guilty as someone who normally likes people in general um but it, it, like he 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 does it to himself he is a garbage individual so but what's funny is that like i remember when i saw it when i was 18 i was like man the only people i can imagine liking this is someone who had basically never seen any modern action movie ever which i feel like is a really great transition <laughs> to you guys who liked you you guys were the were, were like oh, i yeah. pictured a 12 year old absolutely who like <laughs> liked cool shit you guys were 12 year olds who liked cool shit and liked this movie so i want to hear what was your experience finding this movie i mean um, yeah so yeah you so no, ryan you and i obviously we've been friends since we were we're really yeah. young um and one of the bonding things we used to do we talked about this in previous episodes is watch mm-hmm like whatever we could get our hands on in my parents basement um ryan's basement i was like we both had dads that liked buying dvds so you'd be like well here are the dvds that here are the new ones here's (laughs) here's what we could put on here's what either like our older brothers are watching anything like that yeah and i um i it was one of those movies that seemed to just materialize like a bunch of my friends were talking about it and then a copy just like appeared in my basement i don't know if it was teddy's copy or jack blada's copy Mm -hmm. i don't know um it's one of them and then all of a sudden there were six like pubescent boys in a basement surrounding a tv hearing uh horrific slurs and seeing people spin around with guns um and we were raptured by it for a while i think um i remember thinking this was so cool the first time i watched it oh yeah i remember loving it like as a kid i remember uh, distinctly you know there are a handful of movies that i remember like people coming over and being like can we watch this and and, and some of them are very uh it was absolutely spot on i mean like Monty Python and the Holy Grail I watched yeah. countless times and it did get to the point where I was like I would be having a sleepover and they'd be like well can we watch it and I'm like god I've seen it so many times like I'm like oh this is yeah. like orchestrated to watch the movie Boondock yeah. Saints was up there I mean Spinal Tap another one that was deserving Boondock Saints was up there where it was like we're having a sleepover we've got to watch Boondock Saints we're like hanging out in your basement okay yeah sure absolutely yeah. whatever so I did, like I said, I, I expected myself to recognize it was not a good movie as an adult, but still be like, two stars, I kind of liked it. I mean, it's not a good movie, but oh man, so many good whatever. It is just bad. I mean, as, as an adult. So neither of you guys had seen I had no. not seen it since I saw it when I was 18. When people were showing it in college, I'd be like, I'm going home. I'm going to go, if it was my house, I went into a different room. No, I don't like, think. I honestly hadn't seen it since I was 18 and it was somehow worse than my memory of a one-star movie, but you guys have not seen it since you were. No, I, I can't imagine having watched it past 14, 15. I mean, really, I I, don't, I can't remember a time. Yeah. There were, part, there were so parts I, watching it where I was like, I don't remember. I mean, when Willem Dafoe shows up in drag, I was like, I don't remember. Like, I don't remember this at all. And was like, okay, wow. All right. All right. So I, I remember twice that I watched it. So I watched it a bunch and then I watched John Woo movies, more Tarantino movies. And over time, it just kind of like faded. And yeah, then, like Donnie Darko. Yeah. And then at some point, my brother got overnight on DVD and he was like, you want to watch this with me? And I was like, 
yes, because it's a movie. Um, <laughs> and I watched it with Charlie when I was in, you know, early high school. And I was like, I haven't seen this movie in like a year. Like, this movie sucks. Like, I had, <laughs> oh, yeah. like, I forgot how much this guy, you know, this, this parts of this movie suck. Um, and then like, uh, a year or so later, um, one of our friends was like, I was telling them, I was like, yeah, Boondock Saints actually does suck. Like, now that I've seen more movies, Boondock Saints is not a good movie. He was like, no, dude, we gotta watch it. And we watched it, and I just suffered through... Is it somebody I, I know? By that, yeah, I think it was Teddy. Oh, okay. Um, uh, we, let's it, call him up right now. Yeah, <laughs> let's do it. Boondock Saints. Um, but we... We... Uh, he, he and I just sat and suffered through it. I don't oh. know at that point if we were drinking. Maybe that's why I, I was able to sit there. Um, and then at some point in college, I watched it again because we were friends with a couple um, who drank a lot. One of them, uh, the woman, was from Boston, and they wait, did a lot. did I watch it in college? Is there this? I, is- I, Maybe, maybe, maybe. Well, all right. Um, and so we were we were like a good pack of buddies. We were drinking buddies. And they were very excited about Boondock Saints 2 because it was coming out while we uh-huh. were in college. And I was like, sure, I'll watch this. And I got Hannah, I got, like, Hannah would be minutes. defensively yeah. like, hey, no, it's a it's a good movie. Boston. You're like, OK, all right. No. You so had the funny. departed not come out i don't know the I, I, Departed had been out for like 2006 years. i mean yeah, come they on. should have like <laughs> shift shift your allegiance it, it even has a better irish song that opens it yeah god and so yeah so the point and it still has plenty of slurs and homosexual hate and yeah. what it's got all yes, your boston yeah. staples <laughs> yeah yeah yes it's got all the, the standards of boston language set in it um makes you feel like home yeah. um and then i watched boondock saints 2 with them as well because i I was like i was like you know we were partying and hanging out almost every weekend eventually the statistics did caught up with me you're like i watched <laughs> the first one for a reason i have to i have to see it through i don't and think i saw it with them then. it is somehow worse than the second it is somehow worse than the first one because the first one at least has scenes that have a patina of a joke that the 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 facade of comedy something that could be like construed as being entertaining in some sort of facet the second one is just this like cheap awful imitation of shit yeah. uh it's, so, it, it, it's like compacted diarrhea that's taking a impression of shit, but it's somehow worse than shit. I, I marked on Letterboxd as it had like watched the second one. And right right before hopping on at like nine o'clock tonight, I I watched the trailer for the second one and realized I'm like, I don't think I ever watched it. I don't I don't think I've ever like there were- you marked it as watched so you never like you were like incepting your future self to be like don't i think i honestly was like i i probably saw that like it's probably it's probably better off but i will say i do agree i i it's like those sharknado movies you don't you you saw the one minute clip on i saw it i watched it that's good enough (laughs) yeah exactly (laughs) but but i will say that i do agree where not a good movie i also gave it a one star peter i saw you gave it a one star aaron i saw your one star change to a half star you really ruminated on that but can't do well, it. No, it was, it was a 
it was a legacy one star. Oh, I needed to okay. express my my even more displeasure. <laughs> and I left a review. You can't give it a half star because you have no room to go down next summer. <laughs> that is true. Yeah, <laughs> but I mean, I am I am willing to say that both of both these movies are equally bad. Maybe not compared to each other, but compared Just to all separately. Movies. But I will say, I will say there is. I, I do agree. Like you're saying, there are every scene seems to have like a little a little less whatever. Where where I do think there is a. I don't know if there's a good movie in there, but I think that there's a solid action action movie in there. If if they took Troy Duffy's screenplay only, cut him out completely, rewrote it, and then put an actual director on it, then you're like, there there could be so there would have to be a lot of ch- there would have to be a lot of changes. There is so many. There could be That's the thing, guys, like, guys. There could be so- it's just it's just a vigilante justice movie <laughs> if, with two brothers. If you changed a lot of things in this movie, it could be okay. <laughs> I guess I, I think I'll say. I think I think maybe maybe the point is like you could take the concept of two brothers who do vigilante justice yep. in Boston who are Irish with the same cast. And then redo everything else and have a good movie. I'm just confused because I, even the opening scene, they're like the Monsignor, he gets it now, right? So you're like, oh, this is what they've been doing, but they haven't. It's I, not, I know. It's, I can't wait to get into that because nothing makes it the worst. So okay, so like I was so, second guessing uh, myself while watching it. I was like, oh, oh, okay, so they're already established. They're the Boondocks, and so I was like, yeah, no, like, yeah, yeah. nope, not no, even a little they're bit. Just, they're just established as dudes who leave church. They're just <laughs> assholes, and everybody says, stay out of their way. <laughs> just, just, <laughs> yeah. just. Mm. Hey, these assholes keep going and kissing the. Statue. They beat the shit out of a priest <laughs> last in week. The middle just, of church, just like, don't. let them go get just, their cigarettes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so here's what I'll say. Uh, I like a lot of, against my political principles, I like a lot of vigilante justice movies. Yeah, oh yeah. We covered Death Wish 3 as an example of one of them. Um, I like a lot of cop movies that are essentially vigilante justice movies. Um, first off, the reason I like those movies is because they have insane action sequences, and this movie firmly does not. Oh. And this movie does a lot to make sure the action sequences are in no way, um, suspenseful. <laughs> um, no. Two. They, they've all happened in the past. Or like Two. chopped up. Cool stylistic cho- explain, yeah. Don't they do that in the limey? before actually showing you? They do something like, th- like that in the limey. I um, think I think he's copying a Sodenberg like technique and doing it much worse. Yeah. So, okay. And the other thing I'll say is that, okay, so the original Death Wish book, um, mm-hmm. famously, like is interrogative of the Charles Bronson character. And it's a movie that's very much interrogative of like vigilante justice. And then the movie, they just strip all that out. Like this movie has a a thing going on, a sub theme where the brothers are like, God talked to us and told us to kill people. And then at some point, at some point, they're like, I don't know. Some water fell on me in jail. They get baptized in jail. Yep. By, and then at some point Rocco goes like, how do you know who you're supposed to kill or whatever? And they both have sort of like a funny, like, like we just kind of know or whatever. The if evil they, if ones actually was willing to interrogate that idea. It, it would be fine. Well, the, instead, well, the so that... ends with, instead, the movie ends with a fascist, um, uh, a, a fascist tirade about how not only is everything we've been doing correct, we're fucking coming for you. If you sell drugs, if oh, you if commit you're... any, a, if you're Any jerking off in a in, of in a jerk off theater by yourself, 
You should just get fucking mowed down. That's yeah. that's enough. You're good. Just shoot them up. Yeah. Just whatever. They don't jerk off. <laughs> now, their friend did commit a sexual assault. In that same scene. But they're like, oh. Uh, right bo- you know, right before. You know he's a good dude. Right before they place judgment on those guys. But he, but it's okay. He, he's, he's, quote, the funny man. And he said, I'll tip her. It's, it's funny. It's okay. So, it's so funny. Yeah. It's, uh, that's why I, I did think like, so, I like a lot of vigilante justice movies too. Like, there's, there's. There's good ones. I, I would say they have a thing going for them. One, the characters have a clear motivation into who they're trying to kill. And it's sometimes, whether it's on screen or not, you can talk about the cost of revenge. This movie has none of that. So we're, we'll talk about that. But like, there's no motivation, really, for anything they're doing. And they even seem pretty aimless in who they should kill. Which would, to your point, Peter, be something that would be somewhat worthy of interrogating if the movie was smart enough to, to see itself as some sort of satire. Which is why I kind of liked the endings over the credit scene. Because it's like, oh... Here's them interrogating, you know, they have people going like, these guys are just clearly monsters who want to kill people. And it's like, oh, if that was the concept about like, you almost do like a a to die for type style movie. If you guys have ever seen Gus Van Sant's To Die For, Um, like you do that with like the idea of vigilante justice with like little to no motivation. Like that's kind of even the natural born killers thing even though that's also a movie i don't care for all that much but that's that's a way better movie on every level what about if the lead detective who's on their tail just says out of pretty much the blue i don't know should i just like help him and then just does from then on is that does that does that feel i mean he constantly is like great we've made them famous like two people died in an alley why Printing in the newspaper makes them famous and heroes? Because, anyways, we'll get into all how the movie didn't make sense. Let's let's talk about how the creation of this movie doesn't make sense. So we're, we're going to talk about Overnight. Overnight, I'm going to preface the discussion about the making of this movie by saying that Overnight is a really great documentary. It, however, it is a great documentary through serendipitous... Location. This is a movie that was initially made and commissioned by Troy Duffy as he was becoming famous and with his ego saying, you're going to want to document my life for my rise to startup. It is very – he has two of his friends who worked as managers of his band, which we'll talk about in a second, who – he asked them to make the documentary. So, of course, they have unprecedented access to his rise and like continual fall. I would say that that is why this documentary is successful. This is not a brilliant documentary by brilliant documentary filmmakers. And I would actually posit that the filmmakers, uh, while they had a reason when Troy Duffy unfairly said, "We're not, I'm not paying you shit, went on a long rant about how they don't deserve anything. It makes sense that these two were like, well, fuck you then. We have a, a whole roll of footage that you signed off on of you being a complete asshole while you've lost everything. I bet people would be interested in that. But I have a sense that these two that made this movie, who have basically never made anything else of note, are also kind of shitty people in that Troy Duffy group. I agree. There's a scene, later, there's a scene at the near the end of this movie where they cross-cut Troy Duffy's complaint about not being able to find a... a a woman and then all his misogynistic things that like in a smart documentary filmmakers would be would be used to kind of like juxtapose like hey that's why you can't find a girl dumbass you are a horrible misogynist and instead the filmmakers choose all these other things that show that they're trying to be misogynist they are they're in the same they were best friends with with that group and it's it's like it's like 
Yeah. Bam, bam. It's very, uh, like, juvenile editing in that. I do agree that it doesn't seem like they're... I mean, the 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 documentary is competent, but I think that it's yeah. interesting not due to skill. It's just the intimate nature that they had so... Yeah. They, could, they could get so close to all of it and it had so much film where you're like, yeah. if you can't make something interesting out of that, then then that's the problem yeah. in Troy, it itself. Their access is insane. And, and, yeah. and yeah. it's good to... It's, it's I had to stop to figure out at some point which two of the white guys were actually the yeah. filmmakers. Um, because, like, they do cut around... Aaron, they do cut around a little bit to, like, make the other guys look worse in a way yeah. that's like very self-serving. Uh, well, that's what I mean. Like I I I think that I mean they're best fr- they're lifelong friends with Troy Duffy. All these dudes are shitty. I yeah. do not accept them no. for the shittiness. And so and like I think there are parts in this documentary like Peter like what you've called out and what like some of the editing and some other stuff that say like oh yeah, you're a piece of shit just like oh. Troy Duffy. So I, I I it's worth saying that like like the movie is good. Yeah. But the people who made this movie are probably just as shitty, with the, but gained less power and influence, even for a short period of time, than Troy Duffy. It, it wasn't even super clear in the moment of when they're talking about, like, hey, hey, we want to borrow against the money you're going to give us. Hey, you know, oh, you guys don't deserve it. That kind of thing. When I was watching it in that moment, I didn't even realize those were the two directors. I was like, oh, these are his two friends who managed the band. I did know that, yeah. but then I thought that they fell out of out of grace with the band, then said, hey, you know, we were still part of it, blah, 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 blah. Then I realized maybe two, three minutes later, I was like, oh, wait, these are the guys doing the doc that, like, I'm actually watching. I feel like there could have been – I feel like they purposely pushed themselves out of as much as possible to be like, mm-hmm. all of these other guys are scumbags. And yeah, we were their closest friends for many, many years, uh, but uh, t- totally separate. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. They didn't Apparently have a change were, of heart. They got screwed. Yeah. And they, they were, were like, uh, oh, fuck you, buddy. Yeah. I'm going to boondock St. Jurex yeah. through film. And they were apparently in the group for uh, eight years. So yeah. this oh footage God. is shot. Not, this, this footage isn't over eight years, but this footage no. is over something like five. Um, Six years. Yeah. 97 to 2003. Yeah. yeah. And so... Um, they uh there are some stuff and they did masterfully edit some of this to yeah um not just like justify the why they're making the movie but justify themselves (laughs) in certain ways yeah yeah there are sequences where they 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 center themselves like yeah exactly that argument you were talking about ryan if you're not paying attention that argument can clearly be like guys that were like part of the band that want to get paid for how much work they've done and they haven't gotten paid and then troy's like there is no money instead it's like troy actually like hired them to do a specific thing never paid them and then they walked away with the footage because it was theirs with within the documentary itself it's i mean mean, maybe i missed something or whatever but it was more or less framed as because they have their own conversation before going into the conversation with troy duffy yeah it makes it seem like they were like well you know, we were managing the band, but now he's just managing it. But we think we're owed something, which which then I'm like, oh, I'm not on board. Once I realized they were talking about, hey, filming the documentary, you're like, oh, my God, this is actually insane. You're like, no, no, you you told them to do this. And then you're like, well, you know, yeah. Oh, what's what does he say? You you eventually he does cave and he's like, well, you have deserved it, but you're not going to see any money. And you're like, that's the only oh, yeah. sentence I mean, you need again, from that entire. You're yeah, like, mm-hmm, OK, for that to great. go like you're an asshole. He goes. Even if he did deserve it, you're an asshole, and I'm not going to give it yeah. to you. Like it's like, oh yeah, and like, and before that, he's lording every old 
over everyone when he thinks he's like the new kingmaker. Like, oh yeah, we're like and again. It's it's if you know that drunk person who is like, we're gonna be famous. I'm gonna get you famous, and then what we're gonna do? We're gonna get this guy to do this. Then our bit like that's him, except it's that person who somehow got like. The, the idiot who, who's, like, going, like, dude, you don't know Brad Pitt. He's not going to go produce a movie that you wrote. It's like if that happened to that person and you're and, – but every part of them that is, like, feeling like the world is out to get them and they're owed something by the oh. world, like, is retained through that. And that's so clear in the documentary. But let's, let's talk is, about that. It is so, very funny, though, that we covered this right after covering Scarface. Uh <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, because Troy Duffy is sort of a Scarface figure. He's not a coke fiend, as far as I know, but he is this raging alcoholic. And as the movie goes on, you can tell his yeah. alcoholism is getting worse. People, yeah. Oh man! And by the end, you by the end, he's just he, he's turned on everyone. He's burned every bridge. He looks dead in the eyes. Like there's no one, there's no one left to support him. And and the filmmakers, in, in, in an interesting note, were like. He did get worse over time. I watched an interview with them that's on the DVD. He mm. did get worse over time. Like, you're, this wasn't an exaggeration. Like, he got more and more bitter. He got more and more angry. And we were just around him. So they got it. And they were like, we cut out. And they were like, um, what do you say to people that say this is just a hit piece on a guy you're feeling angry at? And they're like, there is way worse footage of Troy Duffy that we edited out. I'm because sure. It didn't serve the thing. So for an example... And I think they were kind of doing this to like be like, we should stop this conversation. For example, when Troy Duffy says he says something anti-Semitic. Yeah, I think I watched the same um, interview. He does say he go, they're like, what? Where do you think he crossed? A, like, do you think there's any big moment where he crossed the line? The one, uh, not Mark, uh, Tony. Tony, Mo- Montana. Yeah, Tony, Montana. Tony Montana. I was like, that is, that is his name. Literally just says he yeah. goes, well, when he started talking about the anti no, when he start- Tony Montana. Montana. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He's like, when when he started talking about the anti-Semitic stuff, I think he crossed the line. But the, the reporter, at least for the one I saw, was like, what do you say for people who say it's like a revenge? It's purposely supposed to be revengeful. He's like, I've, we've got so much. If we just wanted this to be a revenge thing, we could have had just like pile on on pile on on pile on. And you're like, honestly, one from what all of Troy Duffy shows in his own personality. But then you're like, he was very clearly just a drunk on top of that. I, I'm, I'm assuming of all of the bar footage, you could have just had thing after thing after thing of, oh, of, of mean, putrid, vile bullshit I mean, coming out of his mouth. There, There is a little touch on that when he's like just a complete misogynist monster to the one executive. At, oh, yeah. Next, like, and like, and obviously we have a movie that's like homophobic, misogynistic, Ugh. racist, like, like that's coming from, from a place. Interesting, like a little fast forward. So obviously he gets to do Boondock Saints 2. He apparently, as he was trying to get Boondock Saints 3 together, no one's ever commented on what this is, but um, Norman Reedus and Sean Patrick Flannery put out a joint statement saying that based on abusive behavior, they neither, they're proud of the two movies they made and will never again be associated with a third mm. movie or Boondock Saints again. And like, like people talk to him, they're like, look, we ha- there's fans of the movie, we love our fans. Blah blah blah. I know it's tough when you find out mom and dad are divorcing, like it, it, like to those two and Troy Duffy. But they're like, we're not going to air dirty laundry. Let's just just say we probably let some behavior go on that was very clear for too long, anyways, and we're not going to be associated with the movies anymore. The- and like Troy Duffy as a person, you, we found the Boondock Saints Twitter account, which I would assume is managed by Troy Duffy. 
If you find Troy Duffy's Twitter account, oh God, it is so depressingly sad. He is posting. Well, he doesn't post that much, or hasn't posted that much the last couple of years. He posts old pictures of himself from like the time of overnight, that first like bit of fame where he was doing casting with like jeff goldblum yeah and like tagging jeff goldblum and being like oh great just found this old picture of my, me and my buddy jeff like would love to still work with you again someday bro like tagging him on twitter and it, like just picture after picture like once every three months of like him and a famous person acting like we still gotta work together it's like the hell Ugh. that he has created for himself is worse than anyone anything that anyone could ever do to him, although it's, I'm okay if other people try to. Yeah. Um, you mean you don't want to try the Saints uh, bourbon that he puts out? You don't want to. I have. The... I have. I, this is maybe just me getting my head up my own ass after hating this guy for like 48 hours, but um, <laughs> he drinks a lot of Bushmills in overnight, and he's the whiskey he makes for the movie about the Irish Bros is Kentucky bourbon. So he, yeah. He he drinks Protestant whiskey, and he put out Kentucky bourbon for the Irish movie. Like this guy is not Irish at all. This is a fucking. No. This is aesthetic. He's, he's a drunk. Yeah, he's a hundred percent aesthetic. This is. Aesthetic. I don't know how to tell you this, but I don't know if uh, Sean Norman Reedus is Irish either. Yeah, uh, <laughs> well, not, Norman Reedus is not I, involved in either of that. I, I don't think that. in the. I don't think in the Boondock Saints movie he doesn't seem like he's Irish. He. he <laughs> He maybe a sentence a or two time throws a little like he and you're like, oh, OK, yeah. All right. So overnight begins with this story that was like in USA Today, um, this bartender who like he literally says that he saw a drug dealer. A dr- how would you know as a drug dealer taking money off a dead homeless man and went home that night and was like, what a sick world we live in. Wouldn't it be great if people just killed all those guys? I mean, that is his basic quote of why he made this movie. So if you're wondering why there's not much nuance to it, it's just a guy who's like, ah, oh, crime. <laughs> Wouldn't it be great if I could kill people? Um, what if crime was good? God, I wish I could kill people and it would be celebrated. <laughs> yeah. um, and so he was a bartender. He's 25. He wrote this script. He somehow knew a, a production, a producer's assistant at New Line Cinema. Uh, and everyone was kind of looking. Miramax had just gotten really big with like Pulp Fiction and like because you know, everyone was kind of looking. Because the for bar the was in L.A., right? Yeah, Jace yeah, Lone is in. Um, it's in uh, West Hollywood. Um, there was crucially spoilers for the end of Overnight. Yeah. So the uh, yeah. So the script kind of becomes like this. Oh my God! It's this new hot guy, and he's got a great story. Like Quentin Tarantino worked at a video store. This guy's just a bartender. And he wrote this amazing script. And I want to get back to that because the script is so bad. And I don't understand even by 1996 standards how everyone went around and was like, you read this shit? <laughs> this is so good. Oh, did you actually like, like did you actually pull up the, the physical? I mean, the actual No, but like script? that is what ha- that's what happened. There was a bidding war for this script. It was considered one of the hottest scripts in town. No, but I'm saying, did you Which, like pull it up and look at it? I mean, I'm, don't get me wrong. I'm no, not I, disputing I that it is definitely bad. I'm not, oh yeah. I mean, unless he rewrote it completely for the movie. I thought you were like, you, you read it and even the the actual script, you're like, what the fuck is this? I, I'm just seeing the finished product in the dialogue and I'm just, fair. how was this? Absolutely. Like, 
more people like I love this racist joke that goes on for days. Oh, I was more twisted where I was like hundred page script. I was like, ooh, I want to see it. I was I was ready to pick like formatting errors on top of it just yeah. being a bad movie. <laughs> I'm sure that was true. spelling mistakes. Anyways, that's not the right weather. I'd be like, I, I wanted, I wanted to really get in on Troy Duffy. <laughs> the, the the Cinderella story that comes out of it is that he gets this million dollar movie deal, which is million dollar movie deal is actually three hundred thousand dollars to write, hundred fifty thousand to direct, seven hundred thousand to start getting together a budget production and start making the movie. That's important because. $850,000 of that movie when Miramax cancels uh, comes back. He gets the writing fee. The rest is contingent on him making the actual movie. Um, but on top of that, he's in this band called The Brood. Which, which is actually what brought him out to LA. It was like wanting his, his yeah. band to, to make it. Yeah. Uh, his band, which we might have some music on the soundtrack uh, for this episode, is the worst music of all time. Um, With his younger barely, brother, Taylor. <laughs> Tay Duff, um, and uh, and uh, yeah, they're like, not we're gonna we're gonna let the Brood do the soundtrack to your movie, and we're gonna work to get them signed to Warner Brothers, uh, which was um, obviously like the 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 production arm of of Miramax, and I'm gonna buy the bar you work at, uh, and you're gonna get to be the co-owners of the bar with Harvey Weinstein, so. Huge story, Cinderella story, like blah, blah, blah. So was Harvey just like uh, wasted? It, that's crazy to me to be like, not only is it an insane deal, but to be like, hey, guy, your script. I think he knows a good story. You get like, to direct it. Also, your band can just do all the stuff. Like the fact that it had any at any point a feeling of success is crazy because it should the music should be recognized as bad. <laughs> even in the moment, the fact that it, you know, worked even to yeah, whatever there was, there was There was good rock bands Ugh. that were, that are bad to this day, but like, I'll, I'll, I'll listen to a Candlestick song or a Days of the News song sure. every time over whatever the fuck. I'm not against a little is. butt rock, but I'm not going to listen to yeah. The Brood or AKA The Boondock yeah. Saints. And I, I think yeah. what's happened, my, my theory on Harvey Weinstein, uh, right or wrong here, is that Harvey Weinstein chases, um, buzz a, a narrative and, he, and yeah he know, yeah and he knows he had narrative that's why he that's offered fair. to buy the bar and co-own it with him that's why he wanted to make a splash on the front page that harvey weinstein is a friend to young filmmakers yeah. um and then usually his style is to you know it's it's love bombing right like he comes in he tells you you're the best thing in the world and then you're my guy uh, slowly over time he abuses you and then he decides what he wants out of you later well and he clearly tried uh -huh. to make that bar like a hub of this is the underground scene this is where the non-hollywood yeah. meet here's where like the, yeah. the true filmmakers which, which is where billy zane hangs right. out yeah man. this is where we got a uh, uh, one picture of billy zane outside of you know <laughs> yeah the the actual most insane part of that story which i think harvey weinstein moved away from later is that he agreed as part of that contract to give him final cut yeah which is like and that's early on and overnight i was shocked that troy duffy got final yeah, cut that was that was yeah, which clearly went away later on. But you also like, you know, even though Reservoir Dogs was like somewhat of an indie buzz movie, Pulp Fiction made $100 million in 1994, was up for Best Picture. And the narrative out of Quentin Tarantino was this is a guy that Harvey found working in a video store. So like that was huge buzz for him. So the idea of having another one of those stories that he could market and get him on shows 
um, was big. So they bring him out. He starts doing production. There's all these early scenes with like Mark Wahlberg, who was originally going to play one of the brothers, but he passed to do Boogie Nights, which was a was no like father stew for his career. No. But it was it was a, probably a good a good decision. But they are talking like like Miramax was trying to get Bill Murray to play the Willem Dafoe role. Like Kenneth some of the early, yeah, yeah, there were some names thrown around though where I was like very surprised. I mean Vincent D'Onofrio. There were a couple where I'm like, oh man, oh they're like I mean Stallone Ewan was McGregor, almost in it. Like yeah, but he um, was he was not having Keanu Reeves. He was Troy Duffy was not going to have Keanu Reeves. <laughs> so I have I have one piece yeah. of sympathy to extend to Troy Duffy. One piece. Um that quickly dissipates like vapor. Yeah. Which is that I understand that Troy Duffy probably picked up on this myth that in Hollywood, if you're not strong, you get stepped on. And he met Harvey Weinstein and he heard stories about Harvey Weinstein and he started to adapt himself over time into this Hollywood big shot persona, the fake it till you make it guy. And then he didn't realize until it was too late that that was a it was a balloon like there was no substance to <laughs> there's no internal substance to that. There was nothing he couldn't back up um, the, the the strong man sort of behavior. Right. Um and so my one piece of sympathy at the beginning of the movie is like, I, told, I, I do kind of understand why a dumb guy who heard, hey, watch out for Harvey Weinstein, he'll chew you up, why a dumb guy would turn into this guy and then decide this is my strategy for Hollywood, I need to be the tough guy, I need to be the Harvey Weinstein, or I'm going to get... I need to be the wolf or I'm going to be the rabbit. It's, basically. it's definitely getting thrown I, to the sharks. I think that's a lot. I think that's extending a lot I, of generosity I, to him. Cause I, I mean, I bet you he was a dickhead before this too. I, I do mean, agree. Like, I think he was clearly a dickhead. And even like in the bands, the, the I mean, we yeah. only see it later, but it seems like he was always the boss of the band, even though he wasn't the most talented, the most, any, any of that stuff, he was the loudest and, you know, the most brash, but I do agree that there is a certain element of, it seems like, you know, when you're in prison, you punt, you, you start a fight with the biggest guy type thing where it's like, okay, well, Harvey, I, I, I told Harvey Weinstein to go fuck himself and that's me. And instead that just kills everything for like, where it's like, oh no, that's not that's, for everyone. Cause he's, that's not a he's good calling thing. and yelling at everyone or doing like the most obvious manipulation ass kissing like oh, the yeah. scene where he calls Harvey and is like you know you're my guy you're my mentor you everything you're like me. my mentor you're my mentor I owe you everything I just need like a little bit like and then right before and after that scene he's calling him an asshole yeah. and um, you know there's 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 also just a scene that I think like I missed the first couple times I watch this movie where he's talking to his mom about the Miramax movie <laughs> Dead man walking after he has oh I did catch the that sign yeah and he's like he his mother's like like talking clearly about like it was a powerful movie and a nuanced idea of like the death penalty and he's like that movie what a piece of shit movie they should that guy was an asshole they should have just killed that guy it's like this is your guy she's like a, making the movie it was like, an interesting moral dilemma to see the the yeah. humanity yeah. of this killer but yet we're gonna take his life and yeah. he's like no fuck that guy fuck that piece of shit let's go and you're just like uh oh my god it's so rough it's like yeah this like when people say like film bros oh. that that's it yeah like that that is like that horrible person person like personified into like 
Like, whether you like Dead Man Walking or not, the idea of like, yeah, I just thought a guy was an asshole and I wanted, thought he should be killed. It's like, it, that's what the movie's about, is like, do you want revenge? And obviously this is a guy who's like, I know who the bad guys are. And I think I think a lot of them should be killed. Well, shocking, the uh, the ex-bouncer is like, it would be great if I could just kill people who annoy me. I mean, not that all bouncers, but like the idea of being like, violence, violence would solve everything for me. And you're like, what? No. What? Yeah. Well, here's what's crazy. What? Is they, they made that movie. There is a movie, I don't know if you guys have seen it, that is like, what if I killed all the worst people in the world? And to, to the person who made the movie, and... That's the entire premise. There is no – the but uh, uh, it's by Bobcat Goldwith. It's called God Bless America. I have seen that movie. <laughs> it, I am I am mixed on that movie. But like that is that idea of a concept of like that person going, man, I fucking hate Bill O'Reilly. And they did George lock down a Murray. They did get one of the Murrays <laughs> for that yeah. role. Yeah. At least they can get a Murray. Yeah. Like that's the – the reason why that movie is not really like amazing satire is because that's all it is. It's like, hey, would you like to watch a movie where people that you don't like get killed? That – I'm going to make that movie because I'm so frustrated. It is. It's like here's what that movie is and then it does it for the whole movie. You're like, oh, OK. Oh, like it's fun. But it, there's no, yeah. there's no like, there's no evolution. There's no growth. You're just like, here's what we're doing. You're like, oh, this, this could have been like a yeah. really competent. I mean, I, I enjoyed the movie. You're like, oh, this could have gotten the same message across in like a music video. They, they, they never change yeah. from that same. You're like, oh, okay, I get it. All right. Yeah. And I'm looking. Yeah. So I really quickly while we're here, I really yeah. quickly just like through Letterbox pulled up like a list of like you know vigilante movies. Troy um, Duffy's favorite flicks. <laughs> probably like, not if there's motivation yeah, true. <laughs> there's stuff like john wick that's more in like the revenge category that's a little bit different obviously i love those movies um there's movie but there's movies like the punisher it's about like a central yeah. event yeah happens to a character and then they decide to take out their vengeance on an entire class kevin bacon's yeah. death sentence kevin bacon's death sentence and then that yeah then that comes back to bite him you know um i really love punisher Warzone. i think it's a, a rad ass movie but oh yeah really quickly the it reason is. why those movies are good like or they can be good uh and i was thinking of the punisher too it's like you can go and say to yourself hey if my wife and my kids were killed by a super bad dude would i find this like justifiable and so like even though the movie's just presenting it as like here's this happen a lot of times they have some sort of like is what you're doing good or bad but it's it's something like even death wish his like daughter gets killed right and you're like hey is has you know you can you can have a discussion around is this a movie about a guy who did the right thing and in vengeance or is this a movie about someone who became just as bad as everyone else or even there's usually like a personal no struggle connection to that in this of movie. that character like it's just like no what if one day they got in a bar fight and someone was going to buy their bar and they're like, you know what? Let's kill every bad guy. There's, there's no, like, there's no wavering. There's no, there's no thought. There's no contemplation of like internalizing. Hey, well, we're just killing people. There's no, there's none of that. They're just like, damn, dude. Oh, yeah. here, here, here are two guns and a roll of money and some, uh, some various jewelry. Yeah, like, I can just get more guns now, and we're just going to shoot up everybody. And you're like, all right, cool. <laughs> you know what? Sounds when those good. guys tried to kill us, we were really good at accidentally killing them. Yeah. Should we kill people now? <laughs> like, that's that. there's nothing really that happens that has you as an audience member besides literally what Troy Duffy was saying. It's like, it'd be fun if I could just kill people with no consequences. Wouldn't it be great 
Like if I could kill the people that I've decided deserve it, you're like, yeah, that are that annoying. That's why we can't kill people is because it's because of people like yeah. you. I do feel like there's looking at the lists, right? I do feel like there's a a distinct difference between revenge movies where you can understand somebody seeking specific revenge because those movies are easy to justify, right? I don't, did anybody watch John Wick and be like. Like, that dog's life is worth less than those Russian gangsters. Like, no, everyone's yeah. like, you killed a fucking dog, dude. You, all you killed a fucking dog. Ground. It was your your dying also wife's last gift to, like, try and make. You're like, there, there are good right. reasons where you're yes. like, okay, whatever. These guys didn't have, it's like, a specific. their parents weren't killed in front of them by the Russian mob. I mean, not. Yes. Yeah. And the idea behind the Punisher and Boondock Saints and some of them that are a little stickier is taking it out on like an entire class of people. This is also like this is also part of the reason that like I think there's very few movies that I think are in this sort of this sort of um grouping that I think are good. The 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 grouping of that are like, like hardcore fascists. Like yeah, yeah. Mm. So yeah, so many of them are hardcore fascist and incompetent as films. Um but the specific revenge movies, we can think of a million revenge movies that are great because the revenge movies tend to be great. Um, the concept of somebody being like, I'm going to take I'm going to take out all this trash on the street is like it's a little tougher to swallow. Like, I really like the movie Hobo with a Shotgun, but it's a movie yeah. that makes me feel icky when it's over. Right. Like, yeah, oh, it's, yeah. it's trying to make a point about exploitation and that, like, we treat people like trash, but it's also exploitation about dirty homeless people. It's also violence. scratching that like, itch. It's one of those where it's like, you're, you're, yeah. you're not clean. You feel like you've rolled around in the mud with the movie where it's like, there, there's an appeal to that. I think that that's intentional, but yes. it doesn't make me feel good at the end of it. It's not, it's not. But this movie not, doesn't oh, like yeah. make you feel that. No, no, no. This movie makes, makes me want to feel like a hero. Uh, yeah. a, a undeserved shoehorned hey, in and I mean hey, it's actually, just like what's stopping you from doing this these Bozo brothers go kill people where's your gun oh. <laughs> again I know we're not going to end the movie you but like literally be killing you should be killing particularly the very ending you're just like oh so just like fuck it just whatever just it, it's, it's fine just do whatever you feel like whenever and you'll be okay <laughs> oh, it's so dumb yeah so anyways uh, yeah so in this what ends up happening is is that uh, Harvey Weinstein uh, realizes that he's a dickhead. <laughs> like, it, obviously, there's not interviews with him, um, but but he start, starts ignoring his calls. Other people at Miramax start uh, uh, ignoring his calls. The William Morris Agency, which is like, yeah, there is some rumors that this is going to be in turnaround and like they don't actually want to proceed. And he's like, what do you mean? Why would they do that to me? They just saw how talented I was and they were coming against it. But like setting aside your personal feelings for Harvey Weinstein, apparently um, like there's a there's, they do interview someone from The Washington Post who right after he won his Academy Awards for Shakespeare in Love knew that this lady had interviewed Troy Duffy and she reports that the first thing he said when he sat down was not of like great night for me and Miramax, but like, didn't I tell you that Troy Duffy was a huge asshole? Like he clearly was like. And again, I'm not trying to sympathize with a with a much worse monster, but he clearly was like, this guy is the fucking worst. And like in a way that was so grating that he would bring him up years later to the point that Troy Duffy is probably right. That part of the reason after this feeding frenzy for the script that Harvey Weinstein was like. 
this movie sucks. Don't get it. And he's impossible to work oh, yeah. with and everything else, which was like, you know, broken clock. The worst person you know is right. Whatever analogy you want to use was was somewhat right. So he pulls out of everything. They also lose their record contract. Um, and Which now is tenuous. Kinda... The record contract was like the bar. It was just there to impress Troy to get a script. It right? was because, hey, yeah. hey, you you like your band, whatever. Okay, yeah, sure. That that too is coming along for the ride. It was it was yeah. very much... And then maybe later Harvey would have convinced him to cut him loose if Harvey had liked oh, yeah. Troy or tolerated yeah. him. I, I, but what was amazing is that Atlantic Records, also a pretty big yeah. thing then sign them without hearing them <laughs> like he, they say like the first they well, signed now I know why they signed them. which they were very proud of and you're like so that's that's purely buzz that's not a that's not a good thing <laughs> they're like oh your deal with warner brothers music fell through and you're this big hot shot we can scoop you up yeah. and get you signed for probably um, much cheaper and you're like all right whatever sure yeah, but the band kind of keeps telling him, like, you know, they doubt his commitment to Sparkle Motion, uh, to bring it full circle. And, like, they kind of, like, almost try to fire him a couple times. Like, his brother's like, hey, I'm – like, there's a, there is a heartbreaking scene, I think, of, like, his brother being, like, having, like, almost an intervention on what a controlling asshole and how he's not focused on the right things, which is the band – whether that's the right or the wrong things. And he's like, look, I've never said this to you. So like, I'm trying to say it in a way that's both calm, but let's, let's, you know, that like, I am serious and that I wouldn't be saying this if it wasn't heartfelt and meaningful. And he kind of says like, he's like very clearly struggling to get through, to pick the right words to. Yeah. Yeah. And, and like, you know, if you've ever like been in a situation where whether it's a friend or a significant other or a family member, you're like, hey, this is now me finally coming and trying to talk to you. And I'm like, I need you to hear what I'm saying because we we love each other and we're working on something. And their response just being like, you know what? How dare you? Fuck you for even. This is even the first time you've like, ever wow. called a meeting yeah. for the band ever. Yeah. It's always been me. Second, yeah. fuck you. Three, and you're like, yeah. oh no, oh my god. <laughs> like I cannot imagine a worse ending. But they do make their album itself a hilarious <laughs> 690 copies. Sorry, to complete side oh. note, I did love that they're the, like doing the photo shoot for the album. And at one point, the 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 brothers just got like a bowler head on, and it is only for like the the one second, and then the rest of me has it off. You're like, all right, probably a good call to get the probably. All right, fair enough. He, right. he changed he changed the name of the band from the Brood to Boondock Saints. The album's called Release the Hounds. I got three tracks in, uh, and I couldn't get much. I was so further, co- even though I've listened to some bad things for research. But it is I hopped around. It is too. generically, it is both oh. generic and brutally bad. I was confused because yeah. I had clicked around before I watched overnight and listened to some of the songs. I I thought I was blown away when they were like, oh, guys from music industry, like, well, the vocals, the vocals are just, ooh, ooh, that's what's getting me over. I was like, oh my God, the vocals are the worst part. <laughs> like, it's like, it's just so grating. It, it feels like at its best, it feels like a weird, like a weird L knockoff of the voice or whatever. And you're like, this is just bizarre. But it all was just on the coattails of expecting this to be a huge fucking movie. Yeah, I, this is a, this is definitely a story of someone who thinks that they can market their way past talent. Um, and it's first about yeah. Harvey Weinstein, and then it's about Atlantic Records, and it's about that guy from the Doobie Brothers who's acting as the producer. Who's all these people, and then eventually the people that pick up the the movie 
um, for Ma- Maverick Films. He's also which, like, they're out to get me too. Also, also the guy from fair. the Doobie Brothers. He was like, these guys just want to want when we make it big, they'll be like, we helped, we liked them. The fuck these guys, and you're like, oh my god, every person who's trying to fund you and produce you, you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll show them all. Fuck it. I'll show that. Fuck them. It's a movie of just him going, yeah, I'll show them all. Something. You're trying to give me I money. Have my revenge. You're trying to give me yeah. money and let me make the thing I want to make. You're a fucking piece of shit. You're in my way. And, and 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 so Ma- Maverick Films um, lets them make the movie um, half the budget. He was half planning. the budget. It was originally fifteen million. Um, it's less than half of that. And then he goes into production. He gets a pretty damn good cast. He gets to make his movie. He's still pissed off and bitter. Um, movie is not a theatrical oh. <laughs> it's a theatrical endeavor. <laughs> How do I put this gently? They put in five theaters for a week, and he is conspiratorial that Harvey has kept his movie out of theaters and has called distributors saying, "Don't pick it up." Now, the thing is, is clearly Harvey did yeah. have it out for him because he took he took it to con, and no one would pick it up there either. And like the William Morris guys are like, that's what they do. They're agents. Like theoretically, they wouldn't have brought it there if they didn't think they have a chance. There's tons of shitty like B movies that get picked up for distributors and stuff like that at, at con. So. It's possible. It is possible, and not a conspiracy that Harvey. No, I don't think that that's just his own paranoia. I'm like, oh, like you said, when when it's like Harvey's bringing up later, like, oh, didn't I tell you Troy Duffy's an asshole, like that kind of thing. You're like, I I think it's a combination of like uh, how the documentary points out, where you're like, well, he was handpicked by Harvey, so once he decided he was done with him, nobody else wanted to touch him because like he he was the one who chose him. But then, especially now, we know fully how much of a vindictive terrible awful 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 human being is you're like no of course he was just like no nobody touched this movie and he probably did honestly and you're like well i mean i don't feel bad for troy duffy fuck him but yeah it does feel it does feel weird being like oh oh, i'm not i'm not defending harvey weinstein or by any regard but yeah no okay yeah allow me to um Maybe uh, play Hollywood Insider here. Please. Uh, someone who's not a Hollywood Insider. <laughs> um, You're adjacent to real Hollywood. <laughs> I'm adjacent yeah. to it. The closest to Hollywood. <laughs> yeah. Um, Literally. I know. Uh, <laughs> I mean, proximity. Yeah. Yes. yeah. <laughs> Geographically. On Google, on Google Maps, I'm the closest. No. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I mean, just sort of, you know, I'm going to use some Hollywood insider knowledge that um, sometimes movies don't sell because they suck. <laughs> I mean, I, I think that was also a part of it. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, and, I think people saw this and went this side. And also his own <laughs> reputation on top of it. It's not like he was helping yeah. his own. You're like, okay, well, yeah. fuck, fuck this. <laughs> and that's the point is that like, okay, so like very often what happens, especially with first features, is once you get them done, you're in meetings with other studios. They're trying to lock you down in the next project because you've got heat, right? Like, Yeah, all, all your favorite directors like M. Night Shyamalan or Christopher Nolan of this era like had – uh, uh, you know the uh the following or, mm-hmm. or following and or pie or um praying with anger or something like that that they were going around and being like this is my movie I made yeah and and uh so his his calling card his movie was Boondock Saints which let's uh, I'll say one nice thing if Boondock Saints was the first movie you ever made and like your movies got better from there you know that's fine 
like, you know, you made a bad movie, but at least it, like, you know, you brought a, a, a crew together and did action sequences and, like, yeah. completed a product through the Hollywood system, whatever. There are people who made like worse movie movies all, but... that still maintained a career. Yes. Yeah, how many of those those people that are like, this guy ended up working in, like, made for Nickelodeon yeah. TV specials? Um, but he did it for 30 years, I guess. Yeah. So good for that guy. So uh, the movie comes out uh, on DVD, finally. Uh, it makes a good amount of money. Um, it's, years later. Yes, years later. Makes a good amount of money. Um, 50 million. And the interesting thing about this is that initially, initially. Hold on. This, this Hold on. This is the like. If it maybe the filmmakers of this documentary were not vindictive, I'll let Peter say it. But oh. like this is their like the you know how at the end of documentaries they a lot of times they have like Spotlight has the uh you know uh, uh reports of of clergy abuse happen and then it has all the cities. It's their like it's their gut punch. Th- this is this is over. This is this is white text at the end. This is their. This is, it, it's, it's, it's the cherry on top of the shit Sunday that is the documentary. <laughs> like all right, great. Are you talking the library set where they 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 say uh, the movie. Made Made fifty million dollars on video, mostly to young white men. <laughs> well, it oh. says it says the the movie eventually found its audience, mostly among white men, and grossed fifty million dollars in the home rental market. And then the next one yeah. is oh, he didn't make any money on it. He didn't make any money. Yeah, Troy Duffy's deal did not allow for uh, for a portion of the DVD or or, or video, home video rental sale. He signed away his right for a portion. It even of the takes property. it off of his plate because again, we're like they weren't even super vindictive. If I remember, oh, they say William. Yeah, they say that William. The phrasing is like that. You know that they argued the deal and and said we don't care about any of the the home video sales, whatever. And you're like, oh my god, I love it. I love it. Did, did, well, he retain, like, s- did he retain, like, the N64 video game rights? I, like, what did he keep? I mean, <laughs> the, well, car, the Boondock Saints Look, game. you're going to get a lot for the gross. Unfortunately, it made $30,000. <laughs> <laughs> Which is true in the five five years. Um, he, did get, is, he did get money off of this later, though. Yeah. He sued Maverick and said that they never paid him what they said they were going to for the shoot and his lawsuit stipulated he didn't like want the money that they were supposed to pay him back which is very sad i really wish maverick would have paid him because he sued for a portion of the profits and the rights to make a sequel and he won that which is crazy that you can do that i don't want the money i'm owed i just want a portion of this much larger money you're like "Ah, i mean okay i guess fine yeah, well, he, he won. So uh, Maverick is partially responsible for him having having any uh, money uh, and the ability to to make a sequel. And I don't know if Boondock Saints. I didn't look up the the theater footprint on Boondock Saints. I imagine it was small. I do know five that we, theaters gross thirty thousand dollars. Okay, I do know someone that went to one of these because it was playing in Chicago and they went and saw it. <laughs> Like in theaters, for the, first like one? the original Boondock Saints for Boondock Saints two. Oh, oh, that played in five hundred theaters. Oh, okay, yeah, um, that makes more sense. Uh, that is pop. That is statistically. Pop- I was more curious. Like, who did you know who found one of these theaters? Like, yeah, you know someone that paid Saints. six of the thirty thousand. <laughs> really, I was like, oh my god. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the the saw. Uh, but yeah, they they saw it and they had to mask their disappointment. It was fun. <laughs> you know, it was fun. It's just nice to see the boys together again. It's just nice to see everybody the, back the at it again. Love the Saints. Sure. We talked about this in our Blade I, I, I Two episode, them, but that was that was 
<laughs> a trying time. It's fun to see the Boondock Saints all look a little bit older, a little bit uh, heavier, a little. <laughs> yeah. Um, the um, oh, shit. I have seen pictures of their amazing beards in Boondock Saints too, and that was the the moment where I was like, I never saw this movie. I've, I've never I've never seen any of this. Hold on. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it's uh, it's it's a bad movie. Oh, I have I have um, one more thing to say about Overnight that yeah. I have a problem with. Um, yeah, there are some uncleared, I assume uncleared, uh, breasts in this movie. Yeah, what the fuck? And it's all within like so, it's I all mean, within like the a, part I talk. It's all within like a sixty second. All of a sudden, it's like haha, one girl flashes. You're like, I could see the bar friend, whatever. And then it's like they're on a beach, and it's just random tits. And you're like, what? Why? Well, they they don't show the they don't show the face of true. But you're like, like I don't know if it's like showing like neck down and for like that, newsreel they, footage. That they felt very like they knew their down. audience of Boondocks. You know what I mean? Where they're like, well, at we gotta bar, throw in some boobs. At the bar, yeah. it's face up. Oh yeah, and they yeah, they slow mo. Maybe, maybe they did get the rights, the, signed the waiver when they were because they were shooting the documentary. They literally the slow it down. Gets, it gets ten percent of the gross for overnight. God. I, um, hold on, I want to talk about the funniest scene in Overnight that makes me laugh so hard. I'm trying not to laugh. Uh, thinking about it, there's after Boondock Saints come out, and this is this is partially so funny because he like this is such an inside the actor's studio thing where they bring the person to a film class. Oh, and <laughs> talks about like how he fought to make it and Boston University. If this was a Saturday Night Live. No, uh, if this was a Saturday Night Live sketch, it like you couldn't script this better because he is a bitter man who ha- made his movie. It was not successful. This is like pre even the DVD or anyone knowing what it is. But he made a movie with Willem Dafoe and other people. And so they bring him to this college and all of these wannabe filmmakers are like trying to help him see the bright side that he made a movie. Like, hey, all of us are struggling to make a movie. Um... I know you seem very frustrated by the process, but can't you say at the end of the day, like, you made your art, you didn't? He's like, no, fuck that. I hated everything about it. If I could go back, I never would have even made the movie. It's literally ruined my life. And everyone's just, <laughs> the, the professor is there, like, nodding along with him. It is, it is the best it's- scene. You could not script a funnier uh, a, a moment. It is amazing. It's so great. And then even the girl that, like you said, follows up. She's like, no, but I mean, like, isn't it great that you got to, like, take a swing, have a chance, whatever? And she's like, no, 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 it's not. And then he calls out some random kid in the first row. Where he's like, I could tell you wouldn't like my movie. You wouldn't like my movies, whatever. And it cuts to him and he just kind of, like, smirks and then covers his face or whatever. And you're like, he's like, I'm just watching this train wreck in front of me. Like, oh, my God. No, it is, BU it is kids so in, these are BU kids in 2006 or so. Like, I'm sure a few of them did see the indie movie that was straight to DVD and was a cult classic. Like, I'm sure a few of them did see it and they were like, so what? What happened to you? The the the, the one thing that... Yeah, well, when they saw Overnight, like, oh. I guess what I would have done is not yelled at... And said anti-Semitic things to the producer of my movie. That would be like a different thing you could take away from this. No, fuck it's, that. You they know, just, you live in your. They learn. wanted. They wanted my talent. The, the two. The two last things, at least, I have for overnight are uh, adjacent. It was one was uh, Roger Ebert's review of it, 
which was great because he just reveled in the fact that he was like, yeah, fuck Troy Duffy. And then I realized <laughs> and then I realized it is literally Tony Montana's YouTube that had that yeah. had the clip up and it like it took me a second to realize it. I was like no wait hold on and I clicked it and I was like oh my god it's just his like I, I I just was so tickled at the idea that like he just was he, he like kept these things online where he's like people need to see this um, <laughs> and then the other one was like a Troy Duffy interview with some random indie film whatever it was like a 20 minute interview that I watched on like one and a half speed because it was just I oh man it was rough and it made me laugh so hard because he he at one point you know complained about these guys and said you know oh this is because we gave them unfettered access and and they were out for me they were mad and then literally in the next sentence he's like yeah but i mean they were with us so like they would get some really juicy juicy clips and then like the next morning we'd wake up and call and be like hey we all need to get together and talk about that like blah, blah. and you're like i think there were so many worse things that were said but then he's also saying it as if like well they cherry picked the terrible things but also there were so many worse things that we didn't let them say you're like okay so which is it like oh my god but that is like the immature, like you have no idea what a stinker i really am i'm too edgy for you yeah and also they made me look but also i'm not that kind of a shitty person they just picked the but you're like oh my god okay and to to they continue to allow access um for so oh yeah so long and they had been fired and said they weren't going to get paid but they're like but you document my re-rise to fame please (laughs) and they they um he was such an egomaniac that he was like they're not gonna leave me um which uh, is usually what the husband says before he um, kills his wife who's leaving. Yeah. Um, so, uh, am I wrong? This no. guy's a fucking no. crazy egomaniac. I mean, again, I don't even think you need to uh, hypothesize that. He wrote a movie about how much you wish he could kill people. He did. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, I mean, like, that's that's what his movie's about. Yeah. So, let's speaking of his movie. Let's fucking talk <laughs> about it, guys. <laughs> Let's talk about the Saints. Yeah, coming. I cover the waterfront in search of my lord. So, the Saints. The Saints. And I'm covered the Saints. By the the, the, the. starless. The Saints. They're, the, they're not the Bears. The Saints. <laughs> uh, no. The Saints. Well, I'm actually switching to my... Uh, I mentioned this in our Blade 2 episode. I will say I still have a aversion to Norman Reedus because this was the first thing I ever saw him in. And I recognize that Norman Reedus seems like a good dude who's been in a lot of stuff. But Sean Patrick Flannery, I liked him from Young Indiana Jones, so I came in Suicide Kings, and I, I think I even saw Simply Irresistible, which is a weird, like, 90s rom-com that I kind of liked. Um, so I came in with something, but, like, Norman Reedus seems to be the person that everyone likes, I think, because of Walking Dead and from, like, you know, fucking Silent Hills and, and yeah. Death Stranding stuff. Yeah, but he's, like, he's, like, a, he's a well-beloved, he's a well-beloved actor with a unfortunately large contingent of uh, th- uh, young women that thirst for him and young men that thirst for him. Yeah. I will say, I do remember at the time thinking, like, Sean Patrick Flannery was, like, the cooler one. And, and again, they don't really... Ass- you know why he's got, like, I'm going to say it, like... His hair rules. Absolutely. It's on, it, it's on point. The hair is amazing. For sure. But it th- is as cool as your if, – if you were like a blonde guy that looked like us basically, like he yeah. he had the That's perfect, as good as your hair can look. Yeah, he had – for that 
period of time. He yep. had the perfect spikes. It looked like he just woke up with them. It, yep. didn't, look, it, it didn't look like Mark McGrath. Like they got baptized guy. in jail and still came out looking yeah. looking nice. Yeah. I mean, it, it's, it's, I, it's both a, of them are impressive. very adorable. But like that's part of the. It's an undeniable part of the magic is they're both just like very like adorable. Oh yeah. But like personality wise, they don't go out of their way to be like he's the. I mean, they're very. They're not identical, they're but not. yeah, they're equally hollow characters. So you're just like, all right, they don't, they don't even do a, hey, well, this is the cool one. This is the rough guy. It's like, no, they're both just yeah. whatever. They're that's both, the charm. One can do a little bit better of an Irish accent. Yeah. It's the guy's yes. name, Flannery, yep. spoiler alert. <laughs> not yeah. the guy named Reedus. Mm-hmm. Exactly. <laughs> the, the, the charm is, is, is purely aesthetic, that they're both yeah. like handsome young guys. They are not... Um, they're not polished. They're both like very sort of loose and wild kind of performers. Um, they both wear the matching pea coats and they've got the dumb tattoos and they've got the hanging big uh, crosses. Um, the rosaries. The ro- are they rosaries? Yeah, because in the beginning they're. Yeah. I thought they were all just on a string. They've got beads. Yeah, they're rosaries. Yeah. Oh. You're not supposed to do that. This guy isn't Irish at all. You're not. So- Look so at in this. the opening. Let's talk about they're, that opening scene. I- yeah. You go. Hey. Ryan, I thought the exact same thing. I thought that I'm like, oh, I didn't remember that this starts with them like being the saints already because the opening scene is them getting up in church. Everyone's like, there's one, I guess, the new priest who is like, what the? They purposely say he's like, he's just guest. He's like a guest today. He's a guest priest and he does not like what's happening. And everyone else is like, just let him do the thing. And they go up with their rosaries in the middle of church. And they kiss the statue, and they walk out, and they light up a cigarette, and they're just dudes. They're just they, they go to a bar they, later. Everyone's just like, I didn't. God, they cannot get through a mass without a. Cigarette. I didn't write down, but he said something. He he makes a comment where he's like, uh, "Dude, I you know I think Monsignor's got the I think Monsignor's got the mess or got the point now, like that kind of thing." We're like, yeah. Again, I was watching this and I was like, "Oh, I forgot that they were already established as like a like a like yeah. a city hero, whatever." But. That's fine. Like, oh, oh, I mean, again, don't remember a lot from this movie. But I was like, oh, I forgot that they were already, like, a force to be reckoned with to whatever They're degree. They're supposed yeah. to be a little mysterious, right? Like, yeah. It's, it's, it's Which un- is a better open. Intimidating play. or whatever. And then and then it goes from that to being, like, they're meat packers, And then they're like, haha. Uh, they'll they'll punch they'll, yeah, they go, they'll look, punch they, women. Their boss and you're like, is a woman. All right, okay. They goof We're, around a little at the meat right. packing plant. They like to have a good time. They're pros. Here, they're meat Here's pack. the and, new and lady. You have to show her the ropes, them. and then they're like, "Well, I'll punch her." And they're like, "But it's St. Patrick's Day, so everything's fine, anyways." Yeah, they get fired from that job, I believe. Um, I, do they? That is very. Oh, I just assumed that that was totally fine. (laughs) I think that's why their boss was shaking their 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 head at them, and why they never mentioned meatpacking again is because I believe that they were fired from that job for punching. Yeah, you you punching their feminist pretty tightly scripted. That that does make sense uh, for a later comment before they establish why they're doing anything. Norman Reedus goes. I love our new job, and I wrote down. <laughs> oh. I wrote down. Why are they doing any of this? <laughs> they they have not established. This is before the comment of like we're going after evil people. He just goes, "I love our new job," and I was like, oh, "I love our huh. new job." Where we kill all right, people. fine. And okay. Also, they are so pumped about getting their dirty blood money. Oh yeah, uh, they're so. Oh man, yeah, they, yeah. They steal. They're like, oh cool, we can take money. Like we'll get to those. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm my so, point, my, so so. My point is, is they go to the they go to a bar. Mysterious. And that there's some sort of weird Everyone background. Everyone knows with them. about that bar. 
that yeah. like their local legends in the Irish part of Boston, which I was like, isn't that like two thirds of Boston? Um, for just being good bros, there and they speak a bunch of languages, which comes up in the first act and then never again. and never ever. I think it's just like these guys are smarter than they let on. I think that's and the only. Sp- yeah, and that their mother insisted on them being well trained or whatever. Um, uh, also, this movie uh, put in my head, there's a bunch of, okay, similar to Fight Club, putting, like, the weird oxygen thing that, like, oxygen, the oxygen masks yeah. on airplanes pacify yeah, you. It's not true. Um, similar to this, the this movie put in my head the rule of thumb thing. I was going to ask, is that real? No. Oh. Completely uh, false. Wait, what, I, I, what's the rule of thumb? I literally wrote <laughs> down, this, this movie taught me what the rule of thumb was, and then next to it was like, I don't even know if that's actually, I don't know if it's that's not, true. It's not. Wait, so I don't even remember this part. This did not. So that's the, the meatpacking yeah. part where it fades in and out and in and out when they're training the woman. She and he goes, you know, he yeah. just goes, oh, well, that's the rule of thumb. And she goes, rule of thumb. Did you know in whatever eighteen hundred? I don't know whatever year she she says she like a husband could beat his wife with a stick as long as it was thinner than his oh, thumb. And he yeah. goes, oh, oh, again, super endearing. Oh, what. You'd at least need one as thick as your wrist, and then she hits him, and then Norman Reedus just knocks her the fuck out. And we're like, "These are these are the heroes of this movie." These okay, are that that didn't stay okay. with me at all, right. all. So that's funny that you guys are like, "I learned a fact." I like that you got two minutes in the movie, you're like zoned out. I just, I just, I'm, I, I am in the trenches. It, it seems so I, obviously <laughs> not true, but but yeah, that I was just like, all I, right. but, yeah. I thought that was I thought that was true for years after that until. Some, one of our friends that was also obsessed with Boondock Saints was like, did you know that's not true? I don't actually know where the term rule of thumb comes from. It's probably, I probably heard it in like three different fucking Mythbusters episodes or yeah. whatever. But um, yeah, I, I thought for Crunch. years that this was true because this stupid fucking movie trying to score points on feminists. Uh, it's so dumb. Especially where it's like, women these days. Uh... They hate to be beaten. Hate, hate, hate when they're referencing one. incorrectly about being able to beat women. Anyways, puncher. You're like, what What are we trying to... Est- you know what God... What are we tr- you know what God thinks... What are we trying to establish here? <laughs> uh, yeah. God has a God notable loves- anti, anti-woman bias. God. Again, <laughs> technically true. I do want to just note here that them wearing rosaries is, is not what you're supposed to do. That's yeah. Not, no. And I will be... I'm I'm gatekeeping Irish uh Irish heritage from Troy Duffy. I'm gatekeeping now uh being Roman Catholic from him. It's I it's, will gatekeep I eventually we're gonna get far enough that I'm gonna I'm gonna gatekeep Boston from him and I've never <laughs> been there. It's 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 similar to like when super patriots love wearing the flag, but then hate when the flag yeah. is disrespected, you're like, wait, hold on. They're I'm I'm, I'm, I'm confused. Yeah. You can't wear a flag under yeah. that does not make you patriotic, you little weirdos. Yeah. Um but the the thing is, is like, no, I mean, nothing they're doing is very Catholic. They're, what's funny is when they have that uh, priest who is like, uh, Willem Dafoe is inexplicably confessing that he wants to kill people and he goes and talks to the priest. And the priest is like, the priest is actually, again, not, this is like the second episode in a few weeks that I've like mildly defended a version of Catholicism. That priest is like, yeah, those people are monsters. God would not want you to do that. Like... And and they're like, put a gun to the priest's head to tell Willem Dafoe that God would want them to kill people. It's like, how do you think you're the good guys? Like, if this movie in any way interrogated the concept of, like, 
were ordained by God to kill people when they're they're literally like pointing guns at the priest's head to say say that we're okay to kill people. Yeah. Like, is there any self awareness that you can? Well, because say? Rocco is yeah, pointing his gun at the priest and uh, Patrick Flannery, whoever is pointing his gun at Rocco to say let the priest go. But you're like, no, that's not, none of this is what he would have, would have said. Why is yeah. Yeah, it's 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 very silly. So they go to the bar. They have a good night with all their bros. And I do mean all their bros. There's no women at this bar whatsoever because I assume Troy Duffy, who's in the bar, as is all of the band, uh, as as extras at the end of the bar, uh, assumes that the best night out with at the bar is with just the boys. I, you don't need women at the neighborhood bar with the Fraggle Rock guy who's the owner and the bartender. I will say I still um, uh, not frequently, I, but I, to I like this to think day, of him as the Muppet Family Christmas guy. But you're right, Aaron. Is <laughs> I mean, he's the Muppet. Yeah. yeah. Hold on. He comes from Fraggle oh, Rock yeah. and the Muppet know. Family Christmas. Yeah. I know. So that's he's still the Fraggle Rock guy I'm in the Muppet Family right. Christmas. Peter. I'm saying you're right. Good. I, Good. <laughs> I was going to say, I, I don't say make like a tree and fuck off, but I I did not realize I still occasionally, when frustrated, will just like under my breath say like, fuck, ass. And the- I do that too. But like, and I get that just like swearing and swearing, whatever. But when he said that out loud, I was like, oh, fuck, that is actually just ingrained from Boondock saying like, oh, great. Oh, super. Because he's a good actor. And he is. It, 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 and it's a good line reading. That is an offensive caricature of Tourette's. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But that is that is kind of his whole thing, right? Like, Willem Dafoe's thing is like, I don't know, he's a gay guy. Gay guys wear women clothes. And, like, he also does – gay guys listen to, to, to classical music yeah. when they're solving. Like, it's like – it's all Oh, this, it's so like, shallow screen, and, yeah. Screenplay writing 101. Like, who's this guy? Uh, he's got Tourette's. Like, that's not a character that's like – I need to have something yeah. to show that I'm edgy. Yeah. I it's, think he, it's nothing instead. I, I think that, yes, the movie is full of just basically racial stereotypes. The Russian guys are just Russian. The Italian guys are With just the worst Italian. accents of all time. The worst yeah. accents of all time. Those Russian accents are so... And then, like, the Russian guys. mafia boss is just, like, a random cartoon character of a man. The, like, the rotund, yeah. whatever. You're like, he doesn't look Russian. Fake he doesn't belly. sound Russian. He doesn't wear... He's just like, ah, oh, no. And you're like, all right, okay, fine. Yeah, he's got a fake belly, and, like, you don't oh, realize it's so he's fake. dead, basically, like, who they're killing. No. Um, yeah. So, the I will say the Wilm Dafoe thing, this is not to compliment Troy Duffy. Um, what Troy Duffy was trying to do here is more in line with, like, uh, Quentin Tarantino's, what Quentin Tarantino would try and do. He would say, um, like, like... Uh, I want to take a gay stereotype, but also add some color to that gay stereotype. And yeah. I want to, I want to play around with that a little bit. He does, he is a gay stereotype. He is, um, he dresses well. He listens to classical music. He orders the weirdest latte order I've ever heard. And is, uh, okay. So it's a latte with sweet and low and which is whatever. And then with a twist of lemon in it, you yeah. put lemon in your milk. What do you, what is that? I've never heard of this. Um, he and, and then, but the crucial thing is like the the like it's not just the Tarantino thing, like where he's like trying to make a character that's just so full of quirks. It's, yeah. it's also basically just a bad version of um, <laughs> Gary Oldman and uh, Leon the Professional. Um, yeah. yeah, but. It, it, 
a character so full of quirks, but then he also is like, you know, gay guys, are, this is like a South Park thing. It's like, gay guys are all right. I just hate when they act all F-wordy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, which is like him so many times is like, he complains about people at a gay bar. He complains like um, his, uh, his, the person he's sleeping with is too gay. He doesn't say gay. He says the yeah. word. So, it's like, which it is I thought idea. was hilarious yeah. when I was 13. I do remember thinking that was, that was like, funny. He as likes a, gay people. He just doesn't like all the stuff, which is horrific. I do remember yeah. like as a kid thinking, thinking that face. line was very funny as he's on the phone and his, Yep. boyfriend hook up whatever is kissing him and he's like what are you gay like that and you're like okay that does appeal to 13 year old sensibilities but the the idea that was one of those where i'm like as a character fully fleshed out that could be something interesting if it was like a, a self-hating tumultuous yeah, he raised from Raised from the same Catholic ilk, and he has a lot of self. But like, also, if it showed that like, he's he's very clearly yeah. like a very confidently gay man in the police world, you know, everybody's uh, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. But like, he's not hiding who he is in any capacity, whatever, blah, blah. But then it's just like these random fucking one-off scenes where it's like, and then he, and then he says some homophobic stuff, and you're like, okay, well, that's not he 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 hasn't earned that. There's no growth. It's just a cheap laugh, a cheap shock laugh. And you're like, dumb. Okay, God. As a well, kid, that I, is, as a kid so I much... loved that that shit, and yeah. it's it's very it's a Bill Maher thing too. It's like, very embarrassing. It's, it's, oh yeah, it's like the the Louis C.K. like all those people that were like we're so accepting, we can we can say homophobic and racist and misogynistic yeah. thing. You know, Peter said it best when we did our Bill Maher episode. Is the idea of like Peter? I forget how you phrased it, but it was it was like very succinct and genius. Like the idea that you're gonna like achieve equality on the backs of the the minority and the the uh the minorities that you claim to be defending yeah something something like stepping on people's faces uh to defend their honor um yeah yeah. like that yeah it's it's the the concept is is something that's stuck with me for a long time because it's something south park will do it's something that a lot of these shows will will these 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 will do that took me a long time to realize like hey when you have uh, white guys, uh, who maybe lean left, I don't know, um, starting... Claim they lean left. Uh, I mean, yeah. Troy Duffy has a gay character in this movie that he likes, so I guess in a modern parlance, uh, he's, he's, uh, he's doing better well, than... Well, but I, I do, I do think this movie party. is like... My point was, my point was not that, 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 uh, I meant socially that they are say that they're tolerant of gay people and they're pro-gay marriage or whatever, and that they will... Um, be politically there, but socially in, in conversation, they will um, insult um, yeah. gay people to score political points. But I agree where it's and, like... And, it's, and then it becomes... It's a theater of progressivism or the theater of tolerance. It's not actual tolerance. Yes. And it's also, yeah. you use that as a shield. So then that kind of like perverts all of those idea ideologies anyway. I mean, where you're like, yeah. like you were saying, where it's like, well, I can say that. Because these are my beliefs. Like, you know I'm one of the good ones, so I can say this in jest. And you're like, I mean, yeah, but when you do it again and again and again, then then yeah. you're you're enforcing a certain view that you're like a crucial part of this casting. Well, I was thinking well, more like South Park stuff, you know, whatever. You're like, okay, well this one yeah. but but no, I mean and I think overall Willem Defoe is the person who makes this movie even vaguely watchable, even though he is, you know, 
kind of he's clearly trying to have fun. he is i think he realizes he's just like i'm just gonna go absolutely nuts with it i mean the the there was a firefight scene i didn't even realize like at the time but then watching it now you're like he is so just like sweaty and disheveled and all this stuff and you're like what what would have happened while looking at this scene to to, to get him to that point of like you're like what's happening what's what what but he is a real actor who's trying to make sense of the script and uh he's trying to make something work here and it's very similar to the nick cage thing where um that aaron and i you've talked about before ryan you and i've talked about before where like people will make fun of nick cage as the worst part of a bad movie and i'm like nick cage is the only part of this movie that watches he's going what cool which he says too, like Nicolas Cage in an interview when he was doing um, some publicity for the movie where he plays himself, the unforeseen, the unbearable uh, weight of massive talent. I, weight of weight ta- the unbearable weight of talent. Massive. I I haven't watched it yet. At some point, I will. Um, but he said, like, yeah, if I get a script that's not good and I agree to be in the movie, I'm trying to figure out how to inject something into a script that I'm not seeing from the writing or the directing. And so like some people, but like, which makes sense. Like yeah. he's every, he, when he's in movies that are like good, he's usually good in them. And when he's not, he's like, well, I'm trying to do something. I might as well fucking do something. My- and like, that's kind of his take. And that's, that's clearly Willem Dafoe here. Although I think really quickly getting back Peter to what you said, I think the other thing about this movie and because Troy Duffy's an egomaniac is that most movies create characters. This movie is unfiltered, concentrated, what Troy Duffy thinks at all time. Um, very clearly, like characters just articulate, wouldn't this be cool if I did this or said this? And it's like clearly something that they all kind of have the same perspective of what's cool. There's almost no difference. And it's so, completely like, his vision. Just, I mean... It's just his vision of what the world is and what would be cool and everything else. Which again, if you're if you're writing all of your characters to have your own perspective, um, that is again a screenwriting one hundred and one terrible mistake. Like that's not how you write movies because everything becomes out really bland. And I think like the Willem Dafoe thing, like you said earlier, Peter, is him saying like this is the kind of gay I find acceptable. Yes, one who also knows also knows gay people are silly and goofy and uh and deserving of derision and that's the kind of gay person that i is i think is cool enough to be in my cool guy and on top of that it's like incredibly successful in his profession so like he he is very successful so he gets a pass and also he thinks all those gays are so silly so you're like okay all right all right great yeah, he was born gay, but he gets yeah. it. I mean, he gets why it's He fun. can hang. Like, he can, yeah. Like, all right, <laughs> yeah. super. Yeah. Yeah. So anyways, they uh yeah, they're at the they're at the bar with the Fraggle Rock slash uh, Muppet Family <laughs> Christmas guy. <laughs> and the Russians come in and go, even though it's same it's it's like St. Patrick's Day for a week. It is so it goes on for so long. It really feels like it. <laughs> They're no, like, I shut down say, the bar. It's a, in Chicago, I feel like if St. Patrick's Day falls on a Wednesday, they just celebrate it on both weekends. <laughs> that, that, that's what happened. That's what happened this in Boston. It's like a that's whole, what happened this 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 year. That's what happened. I went to a yeah. St. Patrick's Day party on Saturday, and then the next Saturday, I went to a different St. Patrick's Day party, and I was like, "All right, I, fine, that's what I." Got. I 
I remember when I lived in Chicago, there'd be weeks where it, where St. Patrick's Day would fall in the middle of the the middle of the week at some point, and people would be like, "Well, I can't go out. I can't go out hot on Tuesday." <laughs> it just smells like piss, just vaguely for like a week. <laughs> so, so the other thing that like so the, anyway, so they're at this this these Russians guy come in. On St. Patrick's Day, and like, sell us your bar now. And everyone's like, hey, it's like St. Patrick's Day. It's a good night for business. Drink. They're like, no, give us bar now. In the worst Russian accent, yeah. like the one. Perfect. I said, now, the thing that this movie does over and over, which is a stylized choice that is stolen from a director who um, is the – it always show cuts before the scene happens. And it goes to Willem Dafoe figuring out what happened at the crime scene and then cut back to show what happened. So – there's a they find these dead people in the alley and they're like what happened who could have thrown this toilet ps toilets not that heavy i mean they're just they're just not P- that pps heavy. if you're lifting a toilet up and you're that you're handcuffed why would you lift with your wrists to get the blood why why wouldn't you use your hands when you're he like literally lifts it with his wrists to try and get those oh. handcuffs into the <laughs> PPPS, um, I've accidentally sat weird and moved a toilet. Yeah, I'm oh, like, I definitely have too. Oh, God. Oh, 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 wait. Hold like, on. Like, the, fa- oh. the fact that they're like, what a superhuman strike to rip yeah. the toilet off. A thing shoulder, shoulder it. And, on and it, then you're like, all right. It can come great, off. done. Like, anytime I, you're staying in an Airbnb that was clearly, like, uh, like rush yeah. flipped, um, you're like, oh, someone didn't cock down the, the like t- the toilet and actually ground it to the floor i have absolutely like, made yeah. myself more comfortable yeah, on a toilet and been like uh-oh oh, and they're and they're in a rundown yeah. place too yeah. it's not like it's yeah. a nice they're in a rundown place and he has the best possible yeah. angle. he's not like reaching underneath his legs he's like if you were like wanted hey, to lift up a go toilet. lift a toilet yeah. go lift a toilet he's handcuffed that is how i would do it that, as easy as possible, and everyone's like, "What you're telling me? There's a superhuman man throwing toilets out the in like the a slow mo." You're telling me, <laughs> lift a whole fucking toilet? Like he must be a gravity huge guy to be able to lift up a standard. Gravity is doing toilet. so much of the work. Which I will say, I do love the one Willem Dafoe in the police uh, precinct. Like, when he talks about the serial crusher by some huge fucking guy, <laughs> I do like how he delivers that one <laughs> by some huge, by some huge frigging guy. <laughs> I do love yeah, but- Willem Dafoe in this movie, like in multiple moments, because he's able to make a terrible script work for him a few times. Yeah, there's a moment when Willem Dafoe is in drag later, which we'll get to. And he comes up from a like a laying stance into the camera and he does something that. I don't even know. <sighs> like he like blows. Oh, out he does do a good. And he does. And, and, and <coughs> he looks so fucking angry, but he's like blowing air through his lips, and he's dressed in drag, and he's got the gun. And for a half a second, you're like, you're like, this is is this a John Waters movie? This rules. Oh, and then you forget. Like, it, that 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 shot alone is like the only saving grace of why is he in? I mean, for any other real reason, that entire back third is just uh, down the fucking toilet but like terrible. i did i even the, the blowing the lips for some reason i remember just being like oh i loved that that was great let's talk about the drag thing for a second and i i do not want this to become any sort of shamey in any sort of way but i think we can admit that willem dafoe has a very unique look as a human 
beans. To the point that when they're like, hey, let's hire a man who looks like Max Shrek or a actual goblin. They picked (laughs) him. Like, because he looks the like green goblin. I mean, a he's... Nosferatu or a goblin, yeah. right? The fact that it, he puts on a wig and all of these people in a bright... <laughs> and entire... Like, what? And it, everyone he runs into is like, what a beautiful gentleman lady! He's got very striking <laughs> jawline, facial features, all those things. And now they're like, hey, what's up? A murder they, of mafiosos want to fuck him. They don't question it, yeah. and then they're like, but can I get second crack? Oh, dang. Is this girl like, they're like, ooh, yeah, what's up? How's it go? I mean, you're like, oh, my God. The thing is, if you met Willem Dafoe and, and Willem Dafoe was not an actor, you'd be like, that's kind of a creepy looking yeah. guy. So put a wig on Willem Dafoe. You wouldn't be like, huh, I want to fuck that yeah. guy. That's a, I want, you know, like it's, 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 it's the, everyone being immediately lustful on, with Willem Dafoe in a wig. And then being like, when his wig slightly comes off, and they're like, you're not a Now, lady. hold on. It's like, wait, that? Hold on a second. <laughs> like, I wanted to fuck a beautiful Max Shrek. Yeah. And it's one of those things where it's, like, clearly inf- intended as a transphobic joke. Yeah. 100%. Oh, yeah. It's, it's incl- it, it, Because it, it just starts off as, like, the Bugs Bunny bit. Where Bugs Bunny dresses as a woman and Elmer Fudd's like, oh, awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I also did like that his his go-to move. Hope it's not shamey to say that Bugs Bunny made a slightly more attractive. True. <laughs> Fair. I love the Wayne's World bit when they're laying on the... <laughs> what? They're laying no? <laughs> and they're just kind of talking about bullshit. <laughs> and, 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 Wayne, and then Garth goes, uh, Garth goes, did you ever find Bugs Bunny attractive when he dressed up like a girl? And then, and then Wayne goes, uh, no, uh, 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 and they're both laughing because it's true. They both I, had childhood fantasies about Bugs Bunny dressed as a girl. And it's yeah, recognizing, is recognizing a core fact, which is that all of us were attracted to Bugs Bunny as a girl when yeah. we were children. Yeah, because he was a groom. I, I have watched Wayne's World within the last week and a half, and I did laugh so hard at that because they're just yeah. on the, the hood of the car. No. <laughs> what? <laughs> no. <laughs> I, I love that they're laughing. He does the like. He does the fake, the fake appalled laugh. Yeah. No. Oh, yeah. No. Wayne no. Myers used to be so fucking. And then funny. doesn't yeah. even does yeah. good. Dana I was Carvey's just asking. Like, yeah, yeah, me neither. Me neither. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, uh, uh, me neither. Which I still and I obviously there are plenty of versions of that, but like I still to this day, we'll occasionally make that joke where you just say something absurd and somebody goes, no, you go, oh, yeah, me neither. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> oh, me neither. yeah, no, oh, no, me neither. <laughs> no, for sure, dude. No, definitely not. I just wanted to, I just so, want to make sure you, yeah, no, me neither. <laughs> yeah. So, so they have this season yeah, where somehow, <laughs> yeah, yeah, so much. Wayne's World, so good. Wayne's World Two, so good. <laughs> Wayne's World Two is the fucking it, it season is. game too. Uh, I love them. Ooh, okay, so it, I love in Wayne's World. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I love well, I love every, I love everything in it. Um, but I particularly love when uh, there's there's a moment when. Um, one of the, the like roadies or the guys that worked with them is like, I love you, man. Yeah, love yeah, you too. Yeah, yeah. No, I love no, you, man. I he's love like, you, man. I love you too. <laughs> like he's not sure what yeah. he needs to perform. I don't own a gun, let alone enough to necessitate an entire rack. <laughs> <laughs> so we're introduced to uh wayne and garth who live in small <laughs> they live in aurora <laughs> illinois 
we've got we've got I think ten minutes left in the tank. Can we just talk about Wayne's World, please? <laughs> well, uh, let's see where are we where are we at in Boondock Saints. We are at the bar. <laughs> the first... So fuck they they kill. Hold on, so they kill. We haven't even introduced Rocco. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, let's just talk about that motherfucker. So. His his name his name he plays his own name his name's David Del Rocco he Ugh. plays Rocco he's the he's the worst actor of all time he's he must have been a friend of Troy Duffy because he's only in this movie I, I, I feel was like he's gotta be say, I I think like I think like that character is like or the actor is very comfortable on camera and plays like the dirtbag like under like not underboss dirtbag lowest possible rung in a mafia family pretty well. It's just that every possible scene they have with him, they're like, how can we make Rocco more disgusting? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Every scene. I mean, he's like, they killed, they killed the cat, and he's like, oh, my God, my girlfriend's going to be pissed that they killed the cat. And then his girlfriend comes in, and she's like, where's my cat? We shot him, you stupid drunky whore. It's like, wait, like... You are the oh, yeah. like he is disgusting. He's he's. Uh, I've never laughed harder. I think when I was a kid, I laughed at. There's a joke in Spaceballs that I laughed at more. Um, but when they hit the gun and the cat blows up, when I was a kid, I laughed at that so so hard. I do remember um, thinking that was like one of the highlights, hilarity wise. Yes, and now that I'm older, I'm just like, so he's living with his girlfriend. He is just a deranged alcoholic who she has substance abuse problems he has substance abuse problems i don't have a moral a moral stance to take on that it's just something people it occurs to people and then um he eventually ends up being a horrific murderer and a sexual assaulter and at this and and, and, uh, and says the n word more often than you'd like a white guy. To say, <laughs> oh yeah, uh, which is uh, zero. And sprinkled yeah. him with plenty of other racial slurs on top of that. Oh yeah, yeah. oh yeah. <laughs> the, like, yeah, I. Um, I really, thought I thought uh, you were going to say the line where he points of a, outside of a court case prosecuting a white supremacist. <laughs> I really don't want to see a white a white person ever say the n word. It, it is it yeah. is crazy that like even even. Giving Troy Duffy the the most leeway possible, which is uh, totally unwarranted. It feels like Rocco's supposed to be like the the perverted version of the Saints, like where it's like, well, he's actually not good. Where, but like, they never go into that at all. They never, they never do, they never do anything with, with that. Like, there's a point where he's already killing people with them and going along, and then they're at this hotel when they're killing like one of the main guys at the end. And Rocco's getting into a fist fight, and like they can easily kill the bad guy. And Patrick Flannery's like, "No, let him get his initiative. He's got to earn this one. Himself. He's got to earn this." And it's like, for what? Like you haven't said any of the rules. Why does he have to earn, earn? what? For he's why? He killed like five people. Yeah, he's yeah, he's killed five people. Like the other, like I actually think the cat scene is the perfect example of how bad the screenwriting and the action is. So if you were watching a movie, oh, watching the scene as an adult, I was just like, why? I mean, but, well, but like, like you could still do it. Like, like they, they're they're having a conversation. Someone slams their thing, and there's like, and you go like. But the whole point of that scene is that it's a big moment. The way you react is you need to underplay. Like, did we just kill that cat? Like, you know, you, you underplay in the moment. Like, then when they wake up, realize, oh fuck, that was yeah, or something yeah. like that. Instead, 
everyone in that scene all of a sudden either thinks it's the most shocking thing that's ever happened or the fucking funniest thing in the entire world. They're like, what are the odds of that? Like, they're talking about how uh, effectively how badly written the scene is. I can't believe that happened. I can't believe we witnessed it. It's like, that is like bad screenwriting. If all your characters think what just happened is the coolest, funniest thing in the world, you're not trusting the audience to think it's the coolest, funniest thing. Now, obviously, it's not the coolest, funniest thing that could have happened, but, like, you are so unconfident in your audience thinking that you need the characters in the movie to be like, that was rad as shit, man. Yeah. Like, and I, 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 let me, let me like just say, <clears throat> if they woke up the next day and then they start like morally just, they're like, you're what you're saying. They underplay it. They're like, yeah, yeah but it was a really old cat. Remember when it had cancer yeah. treatment last summer? Like, yeah. if they start like underplaying it, you like, put it out of like, Isn't it awesome? Like we actually we did it a favor. Yeah, yeah. But isn't it awesome? We blew up a cat. The point I'm going to take of that scene is that you don't like cats. I'm not the. I'm. I'm not going to get like anything out of the shock. It's just yeah. raw shock. Again, in that scene, I'm like, oh, so all three of these guys are just kind of shitty. Not even because like a death of a cat again. Because you're just like, Muh. it's a it's a big shrug of a whatever. And so then you're like. This movie is not smart enough to think, oh, they're showing us that even guys who think they are good guys are bad guys because that's not what this movie's about. So you're just like, no. okay, so just fuck cats, I guess, is what is what uh, the movie's yeah. saying. Like, all right, whatever. Yeah, so let's – there's there's a scene where they start deciding like, oh, who could we kill after they kill those first two Russian mobsters? And that's where David Del Rocco's like, hey, I know all the bad guys in town. I could tell you who to kill. And they're like, that just might – work out and meanwhile everyone else is like specifically willem dafoe is like man they're just you know i first of all this guy should not be a police officer because he's like uh you know they're doing what i should be doing which is killing people without trying which is there's, there's actual there's actual plot lines in the punisher where cops are like Hey, we should do what you're doing. And the Punisher is like, I fucking hate you guys. If you guys yeah. start doing what I'm doing, you're the first people on my list. Like, there, yeah. there's even comic books like the Punisher <laughs> that can be morally very, like, hard to defend um, at times. Yeah. Um, even they're like, no, 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 no. This is not something for cops. This is not. Yeah. Well, and the, you can't have yeah, state you're supposed to uphold. You can't. You can't uphold law and order by saying I'm going to kill people without ju- form of justice. Well, like that is the antithesis. My, of my weird thing is even before they pull Rocco into all this is they they kill the guys in the alley with all that whole scene whatever. Then they go to the cops and one, it's weird that they have the weird baptismal scene inside the the prison cell. They Awake the next morning to cops cheering for them. None of that really makes sense. These guys, you know what I mean? These They, they didn't save people and kill people. Yeah. Like, it, it doesn't make, all that's confusing. Then don't they call either a pager number also, or, or something from the cell phone? And so then, even that, even that initial, we're going to a hotel to kill a bunch of guys. They have not established any sort of vague code, evil. They're, they're not after money. Plan. These are, well, these are, they, they, yeah, they haven't like, they haven't established anything. They're like, we, I guess we go. I guess we just. Guys, let's bring some I guess we just go and, and kill people. Guns. Really, that, there's no because even in that scene after they kill people, they're like, oh my god, there's money. And then after that, they're like, we take they're like, money. we're gonna kill evil people. So like, again, the, I, I, at that point was like, I'm so confused at what's fueling them, what's going on, whatever. And then they're like, there's they're money. like, oh yeah, I guess we kill evil people now. And hey, it pays well. That's pretty neat. But like at the time, they just they 
a bunch a couple Russians came into their bar. They had an altercation. Then later they said, we're going to, you know, they showed up and said, we're going to kill you. They they turned it on them and then later said, well, I guess we'll go to this hotel and kill more of their friends. What? 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 Why is any of why is they, any like, they of don't this? even know who to they don't know who to do it. So, they, yeah, you know, bad guy, I guess point is they go to the porno theater and they kill Ron Jeremy. Yeah. But they also kill two other guys who are just there jerking off. And they're like, we could come here. These moral. We could come once come a week. Here. Like, we can- Okay, so are you like Old Testament I, religious? I, I, is that your thing now? Like, like even their speech at the end in the courtroom, they're oh. like, they, they they like hedge against it in the weirdest way. They're like, we understand some people are going to do some bad things. There's a little bit of badness is okay, by the way. But if you get really bad, the saints are going to. And also, it's, it's all up like, to us. What is your what is your morality? And now like, we're hanging weird. out with Billy Connolly. We didn't really explain why, but that's just that's. It's let's, not let's, really <laughs> smart. It's not really a savvy understanding of your audience to be anti jerking off. Yeah, that is true. <laughs> that is that does not play to the audience that Boondock Saints is for. Fourteen year olds. Like, there's much, nothing much they like the, more than jerking off. Oh, I much like the actual Boondock Saints. They're like, well, not us though, because we're good al- guys. We're also, good just. <laughs> Just wanted to. I'm. I'm assuming that this is where you had to turn it off, even though I'm sure it's not. Was when they're getting the guns, and it's all the rope. Oh, rope! Like in the movies. Oh, this isn't a movie. It's not like the movies. Oh, the movies. Oh, whatever. And you're like, I'm like, I'm like, oh my god, I hate that. This isn't a. This isn't like in the movies. Said the people in the they movies. Say that so many times. Oh, like Will it's not like in the like TV in shows. He's like Golden Foot. Wherever. And you're like, I'm like, oh, I it. it it was bothering me. <laughs> I love that they trade in two custom, very easily traceable desert eagles. Yep, with hammers and sickles on the 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 lower part of the slide. Um, some random jewelry, and then some cash. Yep, some jewelry. One one then, one solid wad, and then just like a plop of some other money. And then because this guy, this this Irish gun runner, um has likes him is like anything you want in the room and he's selling like a minigun is in there hardware oh yeah there's assault rifle uh, yeah like, like i can get thing, used to he's this he's literally like free thing, reign yeah. just go nuts and you're like really is that enough to just load out the one thing an irish gun runner would want is two amateur <laughs> people with very suspect accents. Uh, two amateur <laughs> I- Irishmen blow oh! the entirety of Boston. Yeah. Does I... this guy try to make money for something, even for himself or the cause or anything? They're like, oh, you're killing people? You're going to need some guns. Again, the idea that you, they, hey, have you thought about guns instead of e- Even that would be like, those are things that are really would happy. be like a one-two dialogue chain that we're going to be like, Go ahead in the cage. Stay away from the things in the back and anything off the top shelf, like some something. But instead, he's like, "Yeah, go nuts. Take as much as you want." You're like, "There's no what, what, in what world?" I, I am. I'm just deeply offended by Troy. Duffy. Has does Troy Duffy know anyone who's Irish? I'm too, <laughs> I say that knowing his name is very Irish. Um, like, does he not have any understanding of like any of these dynamics? Because like. Again, he just wants the things that are cool he shit. Wants cool bro. shit. They put coins on dead people's cool eyes. Want to be cool if he could sometimes. Be, you just want to be like, what if you could just someone could go here's guns and you're like, even though we don't know what the fuck we're doing and we're going against hard and critical with amateurs, what if we could just constantly luck into doing cool poses and cool action shit? Yeah. 
and killing everyone like superheroes. Anyways, but, to get but to it the is, end as quickly I, as I like back to the the first thing I said here, which is that it's very funny that this movie thinks it's a novel idea to get I know. young Irish men guns and complete immunity to commit as many crimes as they want. Do you not yeah, want the to cops know, at the end are like helping him in the courtroom? Yeah. Do you not know what a policeman is? It's a young Irish person with a large arsenal who has mostly complete immunity. Yeah. <laughs> Just say you're scared. You can do whatever you want. Um, so they, at some point, the Russian mob's like, we're getting killed by these guys. We got to get Il Duce. <laughs> and so Il Duce, who, by the way, I just want to say, if you attend your parole hearing in a bird game, <laughs> You are probably not getting out. And I think you could just like, hey, let's get him in the birdcage and get him to the parole board. You know, because he's so violent, he'll kill them. I think someone could go, should we skip? Like, if we don't feel comfortable not letting him out of the literal birdcage that he's <laughs> that in. should be an immediate. we can assume. No. Like, you, you can do a correspondence parole approval for <laughs> We don't trust this guy one. with a chair. Yeah. I know. Um, so he, but they get paroled because the Russian mafia. And after they go and kill these people, they come out of this house only to find Billy Conley, El Duce, doing his six guns. And this is where Willem Dafoe and reenacting was like, there was a fire fight. Um, now, here's the funny thing about this these saints, invincible. They're killing people like crazy. Il Duce, biggest killer of all time. You get him when you want to kill him. They are point blank mm-hmm. facing at each other from a sidewalk to a house with an unbelievable amount of bullets. 25 feet they, to be generous. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, like, literally, again, sidewalk to front steps, point blank. Elderly man uh, moving slowly. Everybody else not moving at all. <laughs> no one gets shot except... A thumb gets shot, a finger gets shot off of David Del Rocco eventually. The if this movie was had any sense of humor uh. whatsoever, all of these people would be immediately riddled with bullets. And the like, th- this is like a they they want they want a family of like Irish Catholics. These are a family of fucking stormtroopers. <laughs> like they can't, they're literally point blank missing each other consistently. That might have been the I, most uh, deflating scene compared to like being 13 or whenever I watched it originally. Because I remember, of course, the Willem Dafoe, there was a firefight. And I remember being like, oh, man. And then it just like, ooh, that's when it pops off, whatever. And then watching it as an adult, I'm like, what the fuck am I watching? Like, Billy Connolly, again, is is totally hyped up. And also, I remember his character being bigger. He's really only in the introduction, this shootout, and then the end. Yeah. I mean, he's in that one part a little bit, but like, literally just... Part of the reason the movie sucks. Literally just pulling out guns and going, and going blast, 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 dropping them, whatever, blah, blah, blah. And you're just seeing bullets hit nobody for the longest time. And then they're shooting back and he's just slowly walking down the street and you're just like, nope, nobody's getting hit by anything. For like the first... You guys are the least dangerous like the people of first all time. four guns worth where you're like, okay, all right, what's... What, this, what, what is going on? Um, we need to protect you. The safest places go right in front of Il while he's shooting. I will say that it did have the only, I think, good payoff of a joke, which was the detective who was constantly wrong. And then Willem Dafoe's oh, character yeah. says, well, six guys rolled up and there was a firefight. And then he goes, what if it was one guy with six guns? And I was like, that was 
maybe the, old, that's the only joke. joke that kind of right. landed where I'm like, all right, I like the idea of like this fucking idiot's wrong all the time. And then, of course, Willem Dafoe's character gets to be like, you're a fucking idiot still. And you're like, oh, but he was right. OK, anyways. Yeah. When they do a callback to that, that's kind of funny where he's like, there weren't six guys there. No, it was just one guy with six guns. And he's like, oh, oh. like that is that it is. That is There's like a nice little beat. But man, movie. yeah, no. I also want to briefly touch on something. Their calling card when they kill people is to put coins in their eyes. Mm-hmm. Do they not know that's like a nice thing? Um, you well, do that even when the phone calls it to the afterlife and, and <laughs> hold on. Even on Willem Dafoe says that, right? Like he's like the Greeks do that. Like he's like the Irish don't. Do, like he's kind of noting that it's it doesn't make sense. Like, I it doesn't. Make I, sense. I will say that the hilarious. I backed it up and. uh Mallory was walking by and said, like, caught what I caught, which was in the, I mean, it's not even subtle, but in that hotel scene when they're putting on the coins, whatever, and saying the prayers and blah, blah, they put the coins on one guy's eyes and then he's saying the prayers over him and you can see the guys clearly wiggling his eyes around because the coins are just Wait, like he he is not touching the coins anymore, whatever, and the coins are just wiggling around. You're like, so this guy is literally just moving his eyes underneath. Like they're pray, they're praying so great, hard. super. Uh, okay, awesome. this movie was not intended to be watched by college grads. No, <laughs> I was like, I was like, oh man, <laughs> Mr. College Boy over here can see eyes moving. It just made me laugh because it's like it's like slow mo. It's all dramatic, and I'm just like watching these coins flicker. I'm like, all right, okay. You're not supposed to. All the blood's all supposed right. to drain from your yeah. head to go to your boner. <laughs> But I think the coins are indicative of the broader thing, which is that, like, the movie is guided by rule of cool. Oh, yeah. Also completely incompetent at shootouts. So it's just like, it's just a series of vaguely connected. Well, the rule of cool by a very uncool person. Yeah. Like, Troy Duffy is, is, has a terrible band, has a terrible taste in music. Wears dumbass overalls all the time. Bad friends. Troy Duffy is not bad a bar to hang out at. But you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, they go try and kill the Russian mobster after this. Um, they uh, they go try and kill. That's the- where Billy Connolly is like comes in and is like, yeah. They they hear him doing the family prayer because at one point David Del Rocco dies. They pray over him, and then it kind of cuts <laughs> to black. <laughs> Who who is mourning this dude? The cat killing sexual assaulter and a white guy who says the n word when given a Rock, slight amount no! of pressure. Priest priest <laughs> threatener, uh, cop threatener of the only person who was yeah. kind of on their side. Uh, oh, also, cold blooded murderer. Yeah, like the, the the scene where he kills yeah. the two wise guys and then he kills the bartender. You're like, this is. Is this where they kill Rocco because he's a bad guy oh. now? Instead, they're like, nope. No, those guys were vaguely connected to the mafia. And not only that, but again, I love that they were like, well, how'd it go? Was it, really, it was the middle of daylight, man. I might as well put a fucking whatever. You're like, oh, so you're just like the sloppiest, unnecessary. But it doesn't mean anything. Yeah. And they're just like, damn, anything. we'll get in the car, man. We got to get out of here. Nobody in this neighborhood talks to Oof. cops. Yeah. What does that mean? <laughs> yeah. So then they, they go to the courtroom where this Russian mobster, they're like, he's... Again, in the most, like, we gotta give dialogue to the audience, there's two reporters being like, this guy's the new John Gotti, of course he's gonna get off, they can't hold him for nothing. So you as an audience are like, oh fuck, they can't hold him? I hope someone kills them. And then the police help the saints, and they're, and we find out their dad come, but before that there's a scene, like, that makes no sense, where they're, like, talking to their dad in the hotel, and all of a sudden Sean Patrick Flannery's like, 
how far are we going to take this, Dad? Like, we going to take this? You're a mob enforcer killer. The idea that there's some, like, fam- and you guys just decided one day, let's go kill people. The idea that you're on, like, some familial holy crusade that's been going on for a long time is, like, all of a sudden your dad's, like, boys, if you guys, it's like your dad who won't let you quit. You never half-ass, <laughs> you don't you, half-ass anything in yeah, this household. Look, if you're going to go on a holy crusade to kill all the bad guys in the entire world, the question I have for you is how far do you take, like, how far, where's your sack? Where's your sack enough to take it all the <laughs> way through, whatever the fuck he says. Um, but yeah, it's so, like, stupid, the idea that all of a sudden, like, the the dad is like, you guys better follow this through to kill every bad person in the world, or you're not my children anymore. Uh, yeah, then they kill the mob boss, and they, like, make a little girl watch, watch it, because, like, you gotta oh, watch. I think this that was someone's girlfriend. They're gonna interview you later when you're escaping. You gotta watch. Yeah. So they, yeah, they kill that guy from Phantom of the Metaplex. They do a fascist speech about if anyone steps out of line, we're gonna come kill you as the good guys. And then there's a little montage of like the news interviews of like uh, people going, "I'd like to go kill people too." Combined with like, "Hey, they're monsters. They're killing." This is people. basically like a call to arms for like the Duterte de- de- um, government in the Philippines, where they were like, <laughs> "Yeah, do you know a drug dealer? Go shoot him." Like what? Yeah. Wh- like this is fascism. This is basically yeah. fascism that has been uh, slightly washed in Catholic morality uh, and Catholic aesthetics. Um, which is what fascism does. Fascism finds yeah. different aesthetics to hide itself in, right? Like, oh, we can't wear white hoods anymore. Cool. I guess we'll wear these. And to, um, and to thinly like justify themselves, you know, yeah. Yeah. And, and Wait, like, I want to hear yeah, you like, sound they, like a trendy. Yeah. I was going to say, not to sound like a, like a trendy new atheist, but I, I do think uh, it's easy to glob that onto Catholicism where it's like, hey, if you don't listen, you're going to be po- uh, tortured for eternity. <laughs> like, yeah. that, I mean, that, that kind of that is it. Yeah. Right? And, 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 like, you could ask the question if this movie is racially coded or just racist, because they don't actually kill that many. They target the Italian mafia. They don't target, like, um, you know, a black street gang, right? Um, I think yeah. it qualifies because I'm not. I have no no generous generosity or sympathy here. I think it qualifies as. A I don't think there's a. I don't think there's a black person in the. I was actually going to say. I'm like thinking now. It contributes. Only to, I mean, that's jokes. that feels like a conscious choice that someone made. Yeah. Um, it contributes to this. Is, we talked a lot about this in the Reagan month, but it contributes to this idea of crime as this sort of there's there's a there's a sober and safe and productive taxpayer society on one side and then there's uh criminals who are living off the government dole on one hand and bound for prison on the other and chewing up all the your taxpayer dollars when in reality like that's not how the nature of crime that's not actually how most crimes are committed is these like strange fantasies you have like this movie is directly contributed to the contributive to the idea that crime is this like global organization with tentacles everywhere and that if you can just keep climbing up the ladder you can you can kill enough criminals to stop crime and bring down crime rates um and it's it's the sort of like phony reagan bullshit that like i absolutely hate but like if the movie were at least if it at least had like I don't know, somebody doing a drop kick off of a, off of a balcony and splitting a dude's skull in half. I'd be like, 
this has aesthetic value for me. <laughs> I would not want to give the filmmakers money, but like uh, as a piece of art, I could find it, it appealing. This is just fascism with this this like specific like um, you know peacoat aesthetic and Catholicism aesthetic draped over it, and like the the only the only thing in here that I can say is like possibly nice is that there was good casting. Like there's a bunch of talented people in here whose time was wasted. That is not a nice thing about this movie. The great cast was wasted on this movie. The fact that like Billy Connolly got to play a badass hitman or whatever is a waste of his talents because it's in this piece of shit. Yeah. Yeah, it really is it, like for final thoughts. It is this movie is 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 bad and bad for you. Like there is nothing redeeming about this movie and like it's such a bummer because like there are so many better versions of the of vigilante movies. There's so many better versions of revenge movies. There's so many better movies of just indie 90s pulp fiction wannabe uh crime movies like like why wasn't there a bigger lock stock and two smoking barrel like I was say, the movie's not amazing but it's early a ton on, of fun Tarantino like, early on it felt like all the, like yeah. a very bad taking all of those elements and then making the worst possible movie out of that style for the for the era yeah the fact that this is the movie of all the like either the stuff that was somewhat successful or the stuff you've never heard of that are like you know, the fact that this is the one that kind of caught on and got people to get tattoos and stuff like that, I think, like, you know, again, if you're if you're 12 and you say, hey, this is kind of a cool thing where these rad, good-looking dudes that I would like to be wear awesome peacoats and kill people in there, they don't even seem bothered by it. They just seem like they're just kind of cool bros, oh. like, who are having a, a good time. Like, you know, that's that's one thing, but, like, there's... The saddest thing for me is that, like, there's people who, again, like, are were in their third. Like, my friend who got those tattoos was in his like late. 20s. Oh, it's like that's rough. I, like, it's 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 like I was gonna say when I was twelve, I definitely remember being like, I want that hand tattoo. But I mean, like, never went beyond that point of even ever thought about it again at fifteen, sixteen, whatever. But I remember when I first saw it being like, that'd be fucking rad, and I'm gonna do that, and then never never thought about that again. Yeah, it's just it, it's so weird that this movie still has so many fans when there's like this is a cliche like other movies. Yeah, it feels like a bad like ripoff of a bunch of different yeah. movies that all do things better stylistically and story. I mean, literally in every regard. Uh, I mean, I don't I don't think there's too much else to say. I think if you guys made me watch this movie and I had never seen it i think i'd be kind of annoyed like it'd be fun to talk about where i'd be like <laughs> I, I i think i would have gotten a lot less out of it like it was more just entertaining to be like i i'm I'm still deciding whether or not to like text my brother and be like hey it is really bad it's like a really bad movie i don't think he's itching to watch it again but i'm like oh man that movie that we watch a lot is really bad the other uh thing which is you know my two least favorite things of either the editing or the formatting of the movie i realized while we were talking about it, it i i mean i realized while watching it i hate i hated so much fade to black so so much just like cheap whatever fade to black fade yeah. back in and then of course the 
Willem Dafoe's character explaining what was happening and then it happens, whatever. I just realized that that's just that's just Troy Duffy's being an alcoholic. You yeah. you literally your memories fade <laughs> yeah. to black, and then other people yeah. tell you what happened, and then you go, "Oh yeah, that is what happened. I do remember that now." And like that's literally that that's just how alcoholics think because yeah, you're yeah, drinking yeah. too yeah. much. And so it was one of those where I'm like, "Oh, I I I could not stand the amount of like fading in and fading out and all that stuff." I mean, I I would have never. I don't remember even the plot point, so I didn't remember the stylistic choices. But that that got to a yeah. point where I was like annoyed like i mean frustrated yeah. annoyed bothered I, I by the end of the movie where it's like oh my god we're still doing this we're the the text on the screen to break down characters is already cheap yeah. enough like all those things oh my god i hate we even talk about that Every, oh. everything is, is like, it just like ties you roman in italics yes i mean like you're like oh my yeah, it's like, god cool. and like again all, all that yeah, stuff I'm, feels like it, it feels like a something that early guy Ritchie would do correctly and and it would have the a typewriter like some something stylistically yeah. on top of that but instead it's just like Rocco mob guy whatever anyways like okay the, like show me who the character is it doesn't even, it doesn't even do it to everyone no. like the, like it's not a consistent touch it's like wouldn't it be cool if occasionally this happens it's like well no then it's not it like, happens that first time and then it's like it's a while not. later then it's like well we gotta break down three different characters You're like well that's just because these characters don't mean anything I don't need to know Ron Jeremy's name or whatever you can just show me the guy I, I got it I'll gather it but no it was yeah it really is it's a it's a absolutely terrible movie. oh yeah and like I said the I had terrible memories and I never watched it again and it was worse than I remembered um, and I think we can say, to some extent, as we wrap this up, if you, Ryan, never want to talk about Boondock Saints again, you know, in the same way that um, sometimes movies end with James Bond will return as a little tease to next summer, yeah. <laughs> uh, you may be joining us to talk about Boondock Saints again uh, because uh, we haven't we haven't laid it all out but we are going to I think do a sequel I, I would definitely be on double months because every movie we covered either has a spiritual sequel or an actual sequel and so we're like we should do a sequel I mean what wh- what's a summer blockbuster double month if you don't do a sequel? I, I would absolutely be on board especially when I realize I don't think I've ever actually watched Boondock Saints 2 um, we gotta check out those beers does that mean that you're gonna watch S. Donnie Darko or whatever that one was called <laughs> that mean you I, unfortunately I unfortunately That's, that is what it means does that mean yeah, that you have to watch isn't that what it's called but we do get to watch Casino and T2 okay Train Spotting right. which like you know and maybe Carlitos we, we haven't decided if we're gonna watch a let's play of the Scarface sequel video game <laughs> and you guys you get, and you guys or, luckily or didn't do a, like an American Psycho American Psycho 2 that, none of that oh, we, 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 we could have done, done American done. Psycho this summer absolutely lot 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 of stuff we could I will say yeah uh, but actually next month we're doing a really fun thing we're doing uh, Shaggy LA it's August it's dog days of summer we're doing Shaggy LA Mysteries, and we are doing Inherent Vice. We are doing uh, Big Lebowski. We're doing Under the Silver Lake. Under the Silver Lake, yeah. I was I, I almost wanted Under to call the it Banner. That. <laughs> Under the Banner. The other Andrew Garfield. And then I and then the nice and then the nice guys. We're doing like modern LA Shaggy Mysteries. Nice. Um, so we can go back someday and do classic Shaggy LA Mysteries like a uh, big sleep or a long goodbye. But yeah, that's it for next month. We'll see you next week when we do one of those. 
once we decide what we want to watch next week. Uh, until then, uh, go watch Wayne's World. Yeah. Great. <laughs> go watch Wayne's World 1 oh, and 2. I got off in the parking ride. My mom gave me <laughs> <laughs>